basically spent half an hour recording a WrestleMania 35 recap and it all crashed. And then me and Jamie decided eh, it was going like, a little bit too long and we didn't want to end up. I don't mind if people spend three hours listening to the podcast, man, you know? No, I mean, if they want to sit and listen to us talk wrestling for three hours, that's fine. I think we, we, we were getting a little bit off track, weren't we? So It was it was all, all pertinent stuff, but I, I'm, I've mm. kept in mind the stuff that, that is important to talk about. Yeah, we've um, got it in here. You're listening to Two Mouths of Doom here on Ikigai Pro. My name is Benji. Greetings, friends and enemies. Along with me is the other Jamie. Hello. Uh, today's show... WrestleMania 35, we'll be talking well, about the the showcase of the Immortals. Um, me and Jamie both mentioned that it's basically been a bit of a fan service because, well, most of the card, all the faces won. Yeah, it were actually a decent WrestleMania. Um, something that I was surprised about, actually. Um, Pre-show were a bit disappointing, but main show were actually really good. I don't even know if I want to talk about the pre-show. I don't think we have to cover the pre-show no, too much, no. to be honest. I mean, well, Carmella won the Women's Battle Royal. Yeah, which Ron was cool. Strowman won the Men's Battle Royal. Which was just, uh, effectively, Carmella was a rehash of last year's Women's Battle Royal. Yeah, that were exactly the same. Yeah. So. Um, Braun Strowman's uh, Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal was essentially just a, well, an, an angle that led to him getting a comeuppance on the two Saturday Night Live superstars, but... Great, we saw Luke Harper back, and Andrade had we a... We saw Andrade with a couple of decent eliminations. Ultimately, though, his final elimination meant that he eliminated himself, which were a bit unfortunate. Uh, and then uh, at the very, very top of the show, it was Tony Nese beating Buddy Murphy for the Cruiserweight title. We also had Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins breaking his losing streak by shitting on the Revival. Yeah, pretty much, so... New cruiserweight champion in Tony Nice, which is good for the brand moving forward. Yeah. I think it's time to probably get a new face for the title. Hopefully, it means a call up for Buddy Murphy in next week's Superstar Shakeup. Yeah. And like I say, eventually, two hundred and sixty-nine match losing streak comes to an end. Brilliant for Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins. He gets his WrestleMania moment. Not so brilliant for the revival, unfortunately. No, but, the uh, the the burial. The, I, you can't really call them the revival these well, days. No, no, you? it's uh, it's anything but the revival yeah. for them. I noticed they've got hashtag FTR on their pants, and poop. I don't think anybody knows what it means yet. Essentially, or I haven't seen it. If they have confirmed it, I think a lot of people think it means fear the revival. I think as far as Vince is concerned, it sounds for fuck the revival. Yeah, you know, just going off the being the elite uh, video series. Do you call it vlogs now or? Yeah, it's, it's a vlog in it. Series. Yeah. Oh, YouTube a series. YouTube series. That's an episodic um, introduction to the company. Yeah. Um, today's terms we're going to be using ever so quickly is going to be burial and botch. And boy, are we going to get into the whole botchy side of WrestleMania. Wasn't too botchy, but where there was that mistake. There were the odd one or two here and there, but nothing... Well, there was one that was Yeah, I'm going to say nothing too serious, but actually there was one pretty serious one. Although, we'll get to it when we get there, but I think they've kind of got away with it. Um, Pre-show out of the way, uh, let's talk about the main card. We had Alexa come out. She wanted her WrestleMania moment. Hulk Hogan came out, made a joke about uh, the Silver Dome. Then you mentioned that he made 
And then made another error by calling it the MetLife Center. But there's a bit of debate whether it was like a double joke or not. But then maybe we're giving the Raw writing team a bit too much credit. Sorry, Road Dog Jesse James. You can bounce me on uh, Twitter, EkaGuyPro. Um, and the big takeaway from that, though, was not that Hogan had a WrestleMania appearance. It was the fact that Paul Heyman comes charging down. Yeah. Um, by all accounts, 35 minutes before WrestleMania, they decided that Brock and Seth was going to be the first match. So apparently, Hulk Hogan had no fucking idea why Paul Heyman was walking down to the ring. He jumps in, and in typical Heyman fashion, you know, yeah. to, to coin a phrase from West Yorkshire, he does not fuck about. No, I mean, it would... <laughs> It was brilliant, yeah. as far as I were concerned. It was fantastic. It wore a swerve. No one expected that to open the match. I think WWE, for at least a few of the pay-per-views, have kind of... Their opening matches haven't been great. No. Which a lot of other wrestling shows, which I know you've said later on, we'll, we'll sort of discuss TakeOver and G1 a little bit more. Yeah. But I think the opening match of a show is just as important as the main event of a show. Because you've got to get it up. You've got to get that show running. Yeah, it's, you want to hit the ground running, get people excited for the show and what's to come. And WWE don't really tend to go down having an opening match, which is sort of a big match or you know, or an amazing match where they get a, a good twenty minutes to put on something really exciting. And this time, boom! Universal title match straight out of gates. It's like um, when you go to a gig, a band has to have like their opening song has to be kind of like. That thing, that that first kind of crescendo of like, this is awesome, you know. Yeah, it's got to set the tone. And it was great. Um, Seth winning in two minutes thirty. However, um, like you previously mentioned, before everything got wiped on my Chromebook. Fuck you, Chromebook. Um, there was shenanigans outside the yeah, ring. Yeah, there were a lot outside before. So the official match length is about two and a half minutes, but it had about ten minutes all in all because there were a load of stuff outside with. Uh, Brock throwing Seth Rollins about, chucking him over the announce table. I think he chuck him into the barriers a couple of times as well. Stuff like that. Ultimately, low blow. Three stab, three three curb stomps, and that were it. One, two, three. New Universal Champion Seth Rollins. So we got one of our wishes. We did. We got one. And then we got worried about well, what's what's going to happen with our other two wishes about Kofi and Becky. So you know. Yeah, for me, Seth was the one that wasn't winning. Yeah. So when Seth won. That were a bit, well, is who's going to lose now? Because I think we said in the last one, I said that... Two out of three. It's going to be two out of three, because it's typical WWE booking. They won't go all in and give the fans everything. They tend to... They'll give you two of the things that you want, but you've got to sacrifice something else, which you mentioned before. WrestleMania 30, the last one, we got the Daniel Bryan angle, but then the streak was broken. That's all right. So we got a good thing, but we had to sacrifice something as well. So that's what we expected for this one. But we didn't get it. Can I be honest with you that I didn't mention this when we recorded it the first time round? I was kind of worried that Seth would lose, but then Hulk Hogan's still on the stage. Oh god, that would be awful. I was kind of worried that here we go. Like if all right, if what this, is that? <laughs> fucking hell, man. If we got that, then I want Kofi to win, but then I want Daniel Bryan to beat Hulk Hogan later. It would just be a maelstrom of shit that I'd want to just basically cover the fact that. Ah, oh, Hulk Hogan's done it again. A if they'd, if they'd have back to that, I'd have turned it off. 
I'm guaranteed I've turned it would, off and not watched it. I think everyone would have just completely shat all over it, you yeah. know? Because for as much as they say WrestleMania is about the casuals, it's it's our Super Bowl, man. Even though it we're both NFL fans. I'm an NFL fan. What's that? I'm a big NFL fan. Yeah, um, mm. you know, and NFL is just as crooked as, you know, the storylines yeah. in the WWE. Unfortunately. But, I mean, what happened... We're all right, you know. Oh, we got we, we got Hulk. He came out. He made his little jokes, and then he disappeared, and we didn't see him again for the rest of the night. So that were fine. And but then, like you say, it led into a, a great match. Yeah, but maybe a little bit short. Could have gone on a little bit longer for me. The finish could have been a bit different. You may maybe could have made Seth look a little bit stronger. Get some more offense in. If you want to talk to Americans, um, and you know, get a couple of near falls before ultimately going over Brock. But the way they did it, it's made Seth look strong. He's got the Universal Champion, yeah. which is what we wanted out of this. So, you know, it's it's complaining, but it's just... Little things. It's little it? things, it isn't is it? It is little yeah. things. Just make sure that the curb stomp is, is kept strong. It took three to slay the beast. It should only take one to put anyone else away. You know, yeah, like, you've got to keep that move looking strong now. Absolutely. Um, after that, there was no letting up because AJ Styles beat Randy Orton in a fantastic match that a lot of the audience missed. Because of lighting issues, but yeah, there were a really big. I think it were a yellow light that were shining on the audience for quite a big portion of this match. They're fucking nasty if... as well, because they that actually interfered with the uh, the big screens as well. Can you it... call it a Titantron anymore? I'd just call it a big screen. You yeah, know? it were a big screen, wasn't it? Yeah. So I mean, if you don't know, if you did watch it and and you haven't found out what that random, really loud cheer was during the AJ Styles Randy Orton match, it were that. The, the WWE realised and turned the light off. Yeah. Because uh, I saw a picture of it on Twitter and whoever was sat in that section, it were, you couldn't see the ring. It was just, the light was so bright, it, it, it was blinding them. So they couldn't see what were actually going on in that match. Um, but we did. And that's yeah, we did. From, yeah, not to be selfish, but I was sat at home. So I didn't have a bright light <laughs> shining in my face and I saw everything that happened and it were a decent match it was it was a very good match i'm not sure if it's match of the night but it in terms of kind of like a work rate standpoint it was absolutely solid um aj going over like we mentioned that we found that was a bit of a surprise given that randy orton is uh wwe um well basically yeah we're booked career as, long. So the indie guy versus the wwe guy so Again, being a bit cynical, I expected Randy Orton to win just yeah, because WWE he's... aren't going to put over the indie guy. Well, yeah, because, I mean, look at the WCW invasion. Yeah. Completely kind of buried WCW. Um, Triple H versus Sting. Yeah, Triple H went over. Buried him. Yeah. They um, dicked on Goldberg in terms of, like, talking about the fact that he wasn't really much of a draw. Mm. Uh, eons ago um, but it's cool it just shows how much faith Vince McMahon has got in AJ Styles um, Superstar Shake Up coming out coming up in a few days time by the time this goes to air um, it's this possibility building up AJ quite strong so he goes over and becomes kind of the face that runs you know Raw I think he could do I think it's time for him to go to Raw he's been on Smackdown since the last in fact, didn't he stay on SmackDown during the last Superstar Shake-Up? Yeah, think? he did, because we so were all freaking out that he'd go to Raw and get fed to Roman. Yeah, so he's been on SmackDown for a good two years now, maybe longer than that. So I think he has to go over to Raw. Um, maybe maybe he'll be the face. Uh, I know we'd previously mentioned before that if Roman's going to stay on Raw, 
Roman's more than likely to stay the big baby face yeah. of the Raw brand just because of how much Vince has invested in him and, and wants to get him over in the end. Can they have two massive baby faces or could we see AJ possibly turn heel to be the top heel in a run against Roman? Because I, I, I he's been not. a face again for quite a while. Yeah. So. But I like him as a face that I think he's got a move set that is plausible for a face. Yeah. It's like when TNA tried to turn Jeff Hardy into a heel. No one's going to boo Jeff Hardy if he's doing a Swanton Bomb or a Whispering Swanton no. Bomb. Swanton Bomb or a Whisper in the Wind, you know? No, Same as like, be. no one could boo Rob Van Dam because Rob Van Dam, Rey Mysterio, purely on their athleticism, yeah. they've got movesets that are basically, it's for a face or a very arrogant heel that we are going to cheer because, well, it feeds into like our last podcast we talked about, the whole anti-hero thing, you yeah. know? Um, but yeah, I was I was surprised that they let AJ go over and clean yeah, that was a surprise, actually. That you he know. just went over clean. You know, it wasn't like Randy Orton trying something like a roll of the tides and that got shifted and then mm. AJ, you know, it was just a, a phenomenal forearm. He did really well in that RKO spot, which was a hark back to, oh, crikey, if I can remember chronological order, it was a SmackDown Live when uh, AJ did the fake out phenomenal forearm yeah. when Randy went for the RKO and Randy hit, well, Randy executed the manoeuvre. He just had no one there. Yeah. So it was... Um, that's the. It's something good that they did in that match that Randy never hit the RKO. Yeah. I think that's what... The, that's the main story that they were really trying to tell in that match. It's like, keep... I mean, if, if they can keep the RKO super protected, they need to treat the curb stomp as that. Yeah. And maybe turn the curb stomp into the kind of out-of-nowhere situation. Yeah. I mean... Um, a little, just to diverge a little bit yeah. off that, I mean, the RKO and the curb stomp definitely need to be protected. For me, I think they need to start protecting finishers as a whole, because I think we're getting to the point where we're just seeing finisher after finisher, we're seeing as matches. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, he's not calling them anymore, but I no. know two or three years ago, he, he would call him for like the AA within sort of a minute of being in the ring, and it's just, it's him going for it, and yeah, he's not hitting it, because it's always, you know, I'll go for it and you reverse it. But you're still calling for it. And it's, you know, protect the well, finisher, yeah. just save it for the end. It's like online video game strategy, isn't it? You yeah. take your most powerful move and then you just spam the shit out of it until, you know, the bad guy is no more. But yeah. you're right. It, there's but I mean, all... even taking video game strategy, yeah. play 2K19 or any of the other ones, like you can't use your finisher straight away. No. And if you try and use, if you do manage to somehow build up your, your boost bar to get your finisher, if you try and do it on your opponent who's got decent health, they'll yeah. just reverse it straight away and get out of it. No, absolutely. Which I know the other rest. I know they're calling for it to be reversed, but it, for me, it's just protect the finishers a little bit more, rather than just throwing out finisher after finisher and, and people kicking out of two or three finishers before a fourth one actually puts them away. I mean, that has a, has been a point of contention for a while. Though I mean, mm. again, just while we're on this tangent, a lot of people had a problem with the young bucks just using. The super kick, which you know, some people said, Oh, you know, the super kick shouldn't be used because you know it's a finishing move for some guys, they're mm. just spamming it, it's cheapening it. Um, but the young bucks weren't the first people to just spam super kicks, you know, no. super kick became just a stock standard wrestling maneuver. Much like how now... I think everybody does a super kick at the yeah, moment. Yeah, it's almost like how now damn near everybody does a Canadian destroyer. Yeah. 
So you got obviously there's Adam Cole does it. Um, I've seen Jimmy Havoc do it. Yeah, I've seen. Uh, uh, we can't call him Pentagon Junior now, can we? No. Pen, uh, M Penta Zero Penta Zero mm, M Penta L Zero. Pretty much like any of your you know independent wrestlers that have a, a bit of agility about them. They yeah. they do it now, you know. But yeah, super kicks. I mean, obviously you got super kick party with the books, but then Usos, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn. Have you seen um, Kevin Owens' new finisher? Uh no, he's using the stunner. Oh, is, oh yeah, I complete have seen, yeah. with the shitty kick to the midsection. Yeah, you know? yeah, I've seen him speaking to um Austin on Twitter about it actually about yeah. using it. But um, quick last bit before we move yeah, on. Yeah, of course. With man. with this protecting finishers thing. Yeah, I remember probably two years ago now. I think it were a Stone Cold podcast. Yeah, I can't remember who who it was that he had on. But we were talking about finishers, and and remember Stone Cold saying that you know a DDT can be a finisher. All you've got to do is make sure none of the other guys stop using it, yeah. and you start pinning people with it. And you do, and again, you don't use it thirty seconds into the match. No. So you make it look good. You stop other people using it, and you beat people with it. And instantly, a, a DDT can become a believable finisher. You've I mean, just got to get sort of everybody to agree to sort of take that out of their move set. There could be some detractors listening in, though, saying that yeah, but New Japan, they. Their wrestlers use their finishing moves, but it's still protected because although New Japan wrestlers, in theory, have their moves of doom, um, it's the pacing of the match is built up in such a way that if that move was used immediately and someone kicked out, in New Japan kind of booking standards, that then becomes, well, what the hell is going to end up putting this person away? Yeah. And you don't really see that in... In the no. WWE, it's like he's kicked out of an AA, but then later on, oh, here's another AA, and that that's yeah. great. They've done it. I mean, now. I've seen ones where I think he's done the super AA off the top rope. I've that seen ones a... where he's put people away with the super AA. Yeah. I can't remember who it was, but I've seen people kick out of it. So it's like if you're kicking out of the fucking super AA, like, what the fuck is going to put this person that fucking away? Hell. That was AJ, and then we saw Cena come out with like the rolling AA. Yeah. Or the FU, but we'll oh, get FU. to that in yeah. a moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, very solid match. AJ, um, if he goes over to Raw, um, it, it's been a great build. Um, we're not going to see him for... Well, we won't see him this week. Hopefully we see him next week. Apparently he's uh, reported to have a, a hip injury. Yeah. He's gone home. But you know, with the amount of crashes that AJ Styles has taken since joining the WWE, and even before then with New Japan... Fucking hell, can you blame him for taking some time off if he's had a hip injury? No. And it, it would be killing him because he doesn't seem like the type of guy that bows down to injury very no, he'll easily. he'll just keep going. Um, ever so quickly, Usos beat Alistair Black, Ricochet, Rusev, Shinsuke Nakamura and The Bar. Um, my big takeaway from this was that Alistair Black and Ricochet came out last. Which... Yeah, they, they came out last. Um, Alistair got a, a nice little entrance. It's kind of a normal entrance for him. You know, it was nothing. It wasn't a ma- big, massive mania entrance, but it it looked good. They came out last. They looked. They were made to look good in the match. I mean, the Usos obviously retained, pinning Sheamus. Um, I think we were, there were a good few spots in it. Ultimately, it was just a quick little fun match, which fit in perfectly after having sort of your two bigger matches. Yeah, which got people going. It carried on the pace of mania with the with a decent match. People in it that we want to see: Alistair Black and, and Ricochet. Pulling off spots, 
and yeah, we're just a good fun little match. I know one of one of the spots that I loved in particular was yeah. uh, were it thirty two swings that Cesaro did oh, that on was Ricochet, impressive. Whilst um, Sheamus did the did the clubbing on the chest and just ran through everybody else that was in the match. That like one by one they jumped up and he just started beating on the chest. That was that was fantastic. Um, Fuck knows how Ricochet managed to. Carry on after being swung around thirty-two times. There are good. Well, this is a guy that just busts out. I mean, that six thirty that he tried to nail. Yeah. Um, it would have been NXT takeover, wouldn't it? When yeah. he busted out at six thirty and no one was home, and I just thought his spine has yeah. exploded. You know. Um, but yeah, Usos retained, which is kind of nice. They keep up that kind of face tag team dynamic, uh, and at the same time. Uh, you can see how much stock the WWE has in both Alistair Black and Ricochet because for them to be the final entrance and get in their WrestleMania and that yeah. reaction for Ricochet when people, oh, yeah. you know, sang along with the opening line from his theme song. Um, good. Really, really looking forward to seeing what It's nice what to they see do. them guys getting over on the main roster. At least there's people now on the main roster that, that are kind of recognising who these two are and what they can do and where they've come from and things like that. I mean, quickly going on to what happened on SmackDown last night. Yeah. When they said the Usos returned. They didn't return for very long. They lost to the Hardys. That's right. The Hardys are the new champions, aren't they? Yeah, I think it was the Hardys. No, it was the Hardys. Yeah. Because um, it was the first time that those two had ever faced off. Yeah. So, yeah, they didn't, re- they didn't return for long, but... Maybe the Usos are going to get moved over as part of the shuffle, though. Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of these sort of drops and little changes, and, and I know because, I mean, this week, the brand split's just gone completely gone to shit because there's people showing oh, up yeah, all over the place. Yeah, so. you had Braun rocking up, you had Sami Zayn on, on Raw, you had Lars Sullivan. Yeah, you had Bar on Raw, and then yeah. Bar on, back on SmackDown. You after, had, uh, so. Yeah, you had New Day on Raw, New Day on SmackDown. Yeah, um, so... Um, I think this is just leading into the Superstar shake-up next week. And... Do you think they did that, Jamie, to kind of get an idea of the reactions that these wrestlers would get on the different brands? I think, potentially, yeah. Potentially, see, like you say, see what the Usos would get on Raw, see what the Bar would get on Raw. I think, all in all, you know, they are two brands, but they're the same company. And I don't think... It, people don't exclusively watch SmackDown. Or exclusively watch Raw. I think if you watch WWE, you watch both. Or you at least watch one and then, you know, find out what's happened on the other through dirt sheets or, or Twitter or whatever you however you get your news in regards to what's happened. So I think ultimately everybody on both brands they'll get a reaction on both brands. So it but it is WWE in it, they might just be. Well, from from SmackDown especially. Because like nothing really happened on SmackDown. There no. were a couple of little bits on Raw, which kind of followed on from it. But, I mean, the the biggest thing of SmackDown was Kofi's celebration thing. But, I mean, it just seems as if creative took a couple of days off. And Big E doing the splits. Yeah, Big oh, E doing the splits. Oh, how did he... I don't know. He got a holy shit chant, didn't he? Yeah, he did. <laughs> so, doing the splits. not surprised. Um, we moved into a match that had a really good build we talked about last week. Which yeah. was um, Shane McMahon versus The Miz. Yeah, I thought I thought the build to this were actually quite good. The way that um, I mean, I know we discussed it. Shane, the the Shane turn that he did, the way he did it, it were really good. His explanation of it afterwards were quite good. It were you know a logical reason he wanted to do things for himself. He's the best in the world. He doesn't need Miz. 
um, attacking his dad, George. Um, <laughs> yeah. Attacking his dad obviously gave Miz a, a good reason to want to go after Shane for that and, and sort of avenge his, his dad. And that and it rolled round to WrestleMania. I thought it were, it were a decent build. It were a simple build, logical build that worked well. Ultimately led to a decent false count anyway, Matt. Yeah, and that, I mean, when that stipulation was announced, we all knew that, yep, Shane's going to take a plummet. Wasn't the biggest plummet that he's ever taken, though. No, it wasn't. And it were actually Shane getting suplexed off someone rather than Shane just jumping off someone onto someone. But, I mean, that itself led to the finish. I mean, the match itself was, was your typical kind of schmoz. Yeah. You know, it was... I think the match itself were actually quite good. I mean, not... I don't want to go, like exaggerate and say it were it were almost like attitude era, but watching it wore a bit. It was like this is a bit yeah, a little man. bit sort of like rock, rock McFoley. You know the I Quit matches um, I, of that time. I got a bit of a vibe from the Triple H Undertaker WrestleMania match yeah. when Undertaker was going through his American badass phase. You know, um, and and that was a wild kind of yeah. It was nice to see him get out of the ring and go off sort of into the stands again, like they used to do way back when. And you don't really see that much anymore. So, um, again, fan service. Yeah, I think a bit of a nod to the Attitude Era, an era where Shane McMahon was. I'm not going to say he was a big superstar, but he was integral to the Attitude Era. Yeah, we're know? a big part of it. We're like we've mentioned, jumping off things. I absolutely love Jamie. Um, the whole them fucking about the uh, the uh foreign commentary tables you know oh that were fantastic that was absolutely brilliant part of me wants to go back and rewatch the network on kind of different language settings to see just to see how what happens. they dealt with <laughs> yeah. all of that as well um the ending <sighs> shane mcmahon comes out looking strong you can continue to program mm. it doesn't take away from the fact that the miz looked really good in that match as well the miz looked good i mean for me personally, I'd have preferred them to end it at Mania and yeah. Miz get the win, so Miz can then go back to being Miz. He's not. He's not a baby face, you know. I, I could accept him as being the face in that match because of what Shane did to him. Yeah. But he's not a baby face character. No. He needs to go back to being the the Miz, the way he is, sort of the smarmy heel, you know the. When my hand goes up, your mouth goes shut. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the Hollywood A-lister type person. It needs to go back to that. So I'd have preferred him to sort of do away with it and, and get the finish done at Mania so he could move on. But, I mean, what they did do, again, it made sense. Yeah. Um, I know they were talking about it on, I think, with commentary afterwards. Um, and, you know, someone even said that the, actually, the way that you set up a suplex means that when you land, you will be on top of the person who does it to you. Yeah. So, you know, if you, what, 15-foot drop through onto a nice soft mattress down at the bottom. But, it, you know, it's supposed to be through something hard. That's some memory foam shit that they had under it this time round. They spent yeah. no expense for a McMahon. Um, it also ties into the fact that Shane can go away now and just be that scummy kind of heel. I'm still the best in the world. Yeah, you know? which is what he did on on SmackDown again, yeah. he came out. He carried on doing that. You know, I'm the best. I'm the best. He got um, Greg Hamilton. He got Greg Hamilton it? to introduce him what, about three or four times again until he got it right and dragged him up the stage yeah. by his tie. So. Um, yeah, it, it was a fun match. You know, we we had to have a heel win. Yeah, at this point in time. Um, at this stage, the pacing was still really good in terms of you know 
you know, the WrestleMania card. Because mm. let's be honest, we all kind of worried it was going to be a long one at this point. The crowd wasn't too tired out, you know. No. Um, I think it was good. Um, I know I said pre-show wasn't great. So coming out of the pre-show, we're a bit, oh, here we go now. Yeah. You know, eight hours, seven and a half hours. This is going to be a slog. But like I said, we're, we're opening with the match that they did, straight into your, into your Styles Orton, SmackDown tag. By this point, you're well past the first hour. It's a good pacing. Oh, like this is this is pretty good. This is mania. We've had four matches so far, and all four matches have been good matches. Yeah, like carry this on. Um, the iconics. I like the iconics. I don't like them at the expense of um, Bailey and Sasha Banks. That was the uh, fatal four way for the women's tag team championship. Yeah. Admittedly, the way that they got the belts off um, Sasha and Bailey was. I mean, Beth Phoenix, we were worried last last week about, you know, what's she going to be like? Is she going to have ring rust? Um, she bossed it. She was yeah, really, she really, well. really good. She looked like she'd never left. No, absolutely. And, that, and the way she nailed that glam slam from the top that led to the finish looked yeah. absolutely brutal as well. Um, but then what we got there was a blind tag. Yeah. Um, Beth I mean, thrown out of the ring. The way that they did it were good. Yeah. Because it's not believable that the iconics are going to go over. No, those pe- the, the other people that were in that. So the way that they did it, what were good with a sneaky blind tag, like you say, let let Beth fin- Phoenix do the big move that's probably going to put someone down for the three count, and then get yourself in there and and ultimately steal one. Which I didn't mind it too much. I mean, like you said, at the expense of Sasha Banks and Bailey, it's felt a bit. I mean, it felt a bit like those titles were ultimately created for Banks and Bailey because they couldn't get them into the main event, the the sort of the women's title picture. No. So they had to create something for them. They didn't really make them look all that great when they had them. No. In the way that they were booked. And then they've lost them to the Iconics, which, like I said, the way that it was done, it does make it a bit believable because it's not like the Iconics have stole it, so they're not going over. Personally, they're not the best wrestlers in the world, but for characters, I'm in the same boat as you. I actually quite like them. I think they're quite funny. And, you know, Billy Kate has the most annoying voice in the world. Well, yeah, you know, no offence to any Australians out there, but she's an Australian. Yeah. All fucking offence from this New Zealander (laughs) intended there. Um, No, it was a really, really good way. I, I mean, again, at this point in time, when we go through the card... We're talking about just little niggles yeah. that we had because, you know, we're, we're smarks, you know. We're not going to be happy with absolutely everything, you know. As long as we are 90, 95% um, happy with the product, you know. Yeah. But we're always going to have that it'll do unless it's something absolutely incredible. It's mania, in it? And, you know, like we said, it is for the casuals. I know what people have said before, you know, mania is kind of the showcase event. It's not for your wrestling fans. It's yeah. for, it's for the casual fans who don't watch, or it's for the fans who don't watch wrestling at all. Yeah, it's to try and get them involved and saying, "Look at this, come and watch more of it." So with Mania, I am always more aware that there's going to be, you know, the sort of the the celebrity match or you know the bit that try and get it into the mainstream media. There's going to be the comedy angle. There's that type of thing. As long as sort of the big matches are done right. Which I think this WrestleMania was, yeah, you know, universal main title and women's title. Not just because the faces won and we got the people that I wanted to win win, 
the way that the matches were produced ultimately were good. And as long as the important matches are done well, I can put up with sort of the comedy angle here and there because yeah. it is mania and it is wrestling at the end of the day. You know, pro wrestling has its funny bits. You know, casuals, you probably won't get it as much, but if, I mean, if you want to see what pro wrestling can do, go and look up Joey Ryan. Oh, yeah. Um, what more can be said about Kofi versus Daniel Bryan? I mean... Right choice, right match, perfect match. Were it a perfect so, match? Which... so many ramifications about this, you know. Uh, we we discussed um, off-air, by off-air, the fucking recording that we were. We discussed how this WrestleMania was not only a bit of fan service, but perhaps it was the idea of being super woke. You mentioned, for example, that people complaining about Hulk Hogan, um, who, uh, again, was, oh, you know... Hooray that he shut down, you know, Gorka. But yeah. boo, he's a fucking racist, you know. Yeah. Um, who hasn't really apologised, but then Big E's come out and said that, you know, he appreciates Hogan's chat and Road to Redemption. But you had people saying that, I don't want Hulk Hogan at my WrestleMania. So it, how socially progressive wrestling fans have become, yeah. how woke they've become, this is why Kofi and Daniel Bryan was such a monumental occasion. Mm. I, I mean... There were two storylines going into it. There was the storyline that WWE wanted to give you, and then there was the storyline that quite a few wrestling fans and historians were looking at as well. Yeah. The angle, of course, that we mentioned last week was that Kofi Kingston is just a B plus player. He's not on Daniel Bryan's le- Daniel Bryan's level. Um, all the hoops that had to be jumped. We we went into how convoluted it was, mm. you know, but we got there in the end, and that was the angle that the WWE presented to us. Yeah. The subtext of that was that, holy fuck, Kofi Kingston's the first, the first, if I recall, world champion of African descent. Yeah, he's the first African-born WWE champion. So there was always that element that, you know, I I hate to bring it up. I think that there's a time and a place for it in wrestling sometimes. You don't want to talk about these things, but we're in a situation now where society calls out on bullshit. Um, There is an element of kind of, it's kind of racist sometimes what the WWE do. We go back to Booker T, Triple H and that whole angle. Yeah, Um, because a lot of people said Booker T should have been the first one to do it. Um, I mean, obviously Booker T is not African born. No. I mean, Kofi's the first African born WWE champion, but he's also the first... um, person of colour to be the WWE champion. Yeah. So I know, I mean, if people are listening to this and there's, I've seen this on Twitter. Yeah. So I'll try and settle it a little bit for you without going too much into it. Ron Simmons and Booker T were not the first WWE champions no. because they weren't the WWE champion. Yeah. Hold that thought a minute. <clears throat> you, you keep going, you keep going. They have to learn that with yeah, so, not in the studio. You know, it's... I mean, you've got the actual, the WWE Championship, which is the one with the big W on, on the yeah, front, yeah. and the one that when Miz had it and Cena had it, it was, it was the spinner one. And then way back, way back when, they had the World Heavyweight Championship, which was the big gold belt, which were kind of the WC, the old WCW one, which they brought over and made, like I said, the World Heavyweight Championship. So, yes, it was, it's a world 
Championship, which is in the WWE, but it's not the WWE Championship specifically, and that's the difference. So, yeah, they have had Booker T and Ron Simmons as champions, yeah. but they weren't the WWE champion. No. So, Kofi is the first person of colour to be the WWE champion. Um, he's the 30th Triple Crown champion, the 20th Grand Slam champion. He got rid of um, the the eco-friendly um, WWE title. Yeah. Uh, they came back with the black WWE title. Um, the match itself was great. There were moments where I honestly thought, oh, fuck, Daniel Bryan's going to retain, which is definitely a testament to the heel work that Daniel yeah. Bryan has done because I never thought that I would turn around and say, fucking please, please, please don't let Daniel Bryan win, you know? Yeah. It was just... The perfect storm. I think for the one thing which we've said it's niggles. Yeah, exactly. And it is a niggle. Yeah. The one thing for me which put a little bit of a dampener on it was if you're eagle eyed, when uh, Big E went to get the box, the present which he was going to give to Kofi if he won. Yeah. You could there were a, like a, a pedestal and you could see that there were a championship under the blanket. Yeah. And that would it would just a little bit. Why is there another belt? If you know, if Kofi's not going to win this, then why is there another belt there? And I know when they did it, they put the they put the Eco Warrior belt round it. Yeah, I think that would to maybe make it try and look as if it were, you know, maybe a piece of foam underneath, shaped like a belt, so that you could put the belt round it and yeah. hold it in place. But then at the end, you pull the the cover off, and it it, it was the like the old. WWE belt with the Kofi side plates on. So surely Daniel Bryan would would take exception to the fact that they're using a piece of polystyrene just to hold his wonderfully, you know, eco friendly belt as well. So yeah, but they don't think about the the little details, do they? No, so, no, exactly. But yeah, that's the reason for me. That would just that was the one thing that they'd kind of. I don't know if it was just um, you know a mishap with a camera angle or something like that, but yeah, you just saw this sort of this glimpse of quite what were quite clearly. A WWE Championship belt under a like a velour sort of cover on a pedestal, and it were it, that it were just well why done. Is that there? Well, well done, Kevin Dunn. Well yeah. done. Yeah. Um. No, it was fantastic. Um. That for me was the match of the night. Not not in terms of just strictly speaking, the wrestling quality, which is good because Kofi Kingston's uh, uh, Kofi Kingston is brilliant. Daniel Bryan. It's just another level. You can tell that Daniel Bryan throughout the whole WrestleMania weekend relished putting, uh, you know, relished at the idea of putting Kofi over at the Hall of Fame ceremony. Yeah. Um, he was brilliant on camera, just playing up to that heel role. Um, it, it was just a wonderful match, but it was just everything afterwards. Xavier Woods crying. You had videos on on twitter of showing like i think the biggest one was shad gaspard and mvp yeah. both watching you know mvp started crying shad gaspard said about time you know yeah and it, it just became this super woke moment in wrestling yeah. and it's brilliant when you have those moments as well you know because we had that at wrestlemania 30 and the lead up when mm. it became the case of well you're the WWE universe your voice you know, as much as they say it's not heard, it is heard, you know, you can be as loud as you want to be. And um, the same thing happened here, you know, it was yeah. the case of like, don't let anyone tell you that you can't do anything. 
Don't let anyone tell you, you know, you're a B plus player or anything like that. And, you know, I know I don't like, you shouldn't mix politics with wrestling, but let's just be really honest here. There was a, a super important kind of racial element towards this, you know, much yeah. in the same way that Black Panther, when Black Panther came out, was super important. Mm. It was a great film, but it just had a bit more resonance to the black community. Yeah. You know? I think that's, you know, that's definitely something which the IWC put on it. Because the they, they did one promo, I think Big E did one promo where it, it was the People Like Us promo. Yeah. They never never sort of out and out said, you know, like, like black people or whatever, but it were kind of, it were always sort of hinted at. And then I think they went away from it, which were good. And the and the the way the WWE did it was to sell it as, you know, it is an eleven year veteran and he's always been held back and like you said, he's the B plus player and now he's eventually got his shot and he's proved that he's good enough to win the title. I think for the for the internet side of it and the fan side of it, they they kind of brought the racial element in yeah. into it a little bit. And thankfully WWE didn't focus too much on it. Because I think if they'd have gone then gone down sort of the racial element, it'd have been too much. And it had just been, I think it had been obvious because it had been, well, they've booked themselves into a corner. Yeah. Like you can't get out of it without putting the title on Kofi. It's one of those wonderful moments though where wrestling, there is a subtext. Yeah. And it shows that there there is room in terms of booking and writing and producing where you can have that little bit of subtext. It doesn't have to be explain to you fucking completely you know that's good writing and And that's what they're supposed to be doing because that's fucking smackdown writing yeah you look at all of the decent matches on the card we've talked about the usos we've talked about aj you know um smackdown guys were the ones that looked good throughout wrestlemania matches were the fucking good matches i mean immediately afterwards we had samoa joe versus Rey mysterio it was a squash we needed that because they just mistreated Samoa Joe. Mm. You have your your point of contention about this because you think if Rey Mysterio was injured, they did the, the, not they used to the, include him. Yeah, they used the bit the, on commentary to sort of say, you know, Rey had got injured. He'd been cleared apparently, quite clearly, he wasn't cleared to wrestle. Yeah, um, but they've still gone out and done it. And one side of me is happy that they've still done it because it's made Joe look like an absolute savage yeah. for beating him in fifty five seconds. When, like I said, he's been he's lost like three times in a row quite recently, so he needed the the big win and he needed that sort of savage squash win to go out and and prove who he is. But at the same time, like we mentioned, it's a seven and a half hour show with what seventeen matches all in all. You could have just not had that match, you know. You could have just said, you know, unfortunately, Ray's picked up an injury. You know, we're gonna have to cancel this match. Done and had done something on SmackDown for Joe, and uh, I mean, yeah, Joe doesn't get his mania moment this year, but it was fifty-five seconds. <laughs> yeah. So you know, it's not like he's missing out on much. How much of that plays into the idea, though, that there were originally the WrestleMania plans were meant to be at one point John Cena versus Lars Sullivan. Yeah, but then they were also talking about John Cena versus Samoa Joe. Maybe next year we get Joe Cena. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe SummerSlam? Yeah, I just think they could have kept him off and done something with him. I don't think, you know, it it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have sort of changed the whole aspect of WrestleMania yeah. if we didn't have that Joe Mysterio match. Um, 
Niggles, niggles. Again, so like I say, yeah, niggles. It's you know, like you said earlier, with Smarks and we're never happy. <laughs> but you know, they could have just for me, they could have just not done it. Um, and that was the last SmackDown match. It was in WrestleMania as well. So everything was it became raw, 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 raw. And, yeah. um, and then uh, the main event were kind of... Well, the main event were two-thirds Smackdown. So. Well, yeah. Yeah, now that's true. But then uh, the focus was on Ronda. Yeah. So, as much <laughs> as they say the focus was on Becky, <clears throat> it was Ronda, you know, Ron, all eyes were on Ronda. And, and it's an interesting point because you mentioned about the whole celebrity aspect of WrestleMania, you know. Um, Ronda Rousey's a celebrity in her own right. Yeah. I think that's fair to say. Batista, celebrity in his own right, is fair to say. John Cena, now a celebrity in his own right, you know. The only real celebrities that they had on the card were Colin Jost and Michael Che, and they bumped that way down into the pre-show, yeah, which I, the... I, I appreciated because it showed that this year it is specifically about the wrestling product rather than the, uh, you know... Celebrity appearances that it yeah, makes you fucking past, aren't they, God, makes you groan. It does make you groan. Yeah, those celebrity appearances. celebrities appearances all the time. But it's funny that you mentioned that that was the last SmackDown live match, and ironically, this is for me. This is we're the, the bit where it, fucks. Yeah, where it took a <laughs> Man, massive yeah. dive. Absolutely, and it's a shame because I was re- last week when we did the predictions. I was really looking forward to. The uh, uh, McIntyre Roman match, you know, yeah. and it was a solid match. It was a good match, but it wasn't a great match. No, it wasn't a great match. I think it was just it were a decent wrestling match, but there were n- no real sort of noteworthy points to talk about. I mean, Roman went over, which everybody knew was going to happen. Yeah, I think that I think that's what attributed to the crowd just ultimately dying. Because it, it kind of got to that match and it was just like, well, the crowd knew Roman were winning. Yeah. Because he's not going to lose. So it, we knew Roman were winning. So, you know, what's the point in sort of cheering? They're getting tired. They've also, it's not long after Kofi, yep. which was huge for the crowd. Yeah. So by, I mean, what were, what were Kofi? The second hour, two and a half hours in. So we've already had two hours of pre-show. So you're yeah. about four and a half hours into the show now. Something like that, which is... Four and a half hours at a wrestling show is not. It used to be that'd be it. So you come, you're actually coming up to what would normally be the end of the show now. So it, it's about the time for people to be ready to go home, start getting tired. And it was only a ten minute. It came in at ten minutes ten seconds. Mm. It felt so much longer. It, it so much dragged longer. a little bit. Maybe that's again the pacing up until that point in time was great. I mean, the pacing overall, I can't really complain too much because, again, we're looking at a seven and a half hour show. It was like a, a bloody work day, basically. Yeah. You know? Um, but at the same time, it was just... It, it was... Would the dynamic have been completely different, Jamie, if McIntyre had won that match? I think if McIntyre had won, it would have been very different because... Nobody expected McIntyre to win. No. Nobody would have expected McIntyre to win. Um, Roman losing had just been a bit like, oh, what's... I think it just perked everybody back up a little bit. Yeah. You know, Roman winning was sort of what everybody were expecting, so everybody was like, yeah, what... Mm, you know. But had McIntyre won, 
keeping everyone on their toes a little bit. Yeah. Keep... Oh, if this is going to happen, what's going to happen next? Um, it's the leukemia thing now uh, being a, a done, done to death is probably the worst way of putting it. But do you think that them tying Roman Reigns overcoming leukemia, which is fantastic, I'm not yeah. taking away from that. Do you think that that's now becoming a bit too ingrained into his comeback gimmick now? Yeah, they're talking about it far too much. Yeah, I mean it's fantastic that he, you know, that he's in remission and he's come back. But that's, I think we were talking about earlier, that's Joe and O.I. Yeah. It's, it's Roman Reigns is the character on TV. Roman Reigns never had cancer. No. Joe and O.I. had cancer, but Roman, you know, the, it's not like the Roman Reigns character got diagnosed with cancer, so they just need to, I mean, they just need to put it to bed and stop talking about it. We know that he, we know that he defeated it. You know, if you want to do, if, if they want to do the, the donating a certain percentage of, of shirt sales to, to cancer charities, then fine. That's perfect. Brilliant. Carry on doing that. Yeah. And, you know, Joe and OI can appear at places as Roman Reigns to to push cancer charities and, and try to get people to donate money to them. But actually, on TV, in the wrestling ring, it just needs to be Roman. Uh, I think they need to stop sort of pushing the leukemia thing now. It's Vince, though, and Vince still has this carny traits, you know, and he thinks, oh, something like this, the ultimate underdog. And it's like, look, there's a time and a place. We're all grateful that Roman Reigns mm. or that Joe overcame cancer, you know. But you can tell that the antipathy towards Roman Reigns is creeping back in already because he was getting booed during that match yeah, towards the end, you know. Yeah, I think it, I'd seen tweets from, I'm assuming, people that were actually there that said, the, because it did sound like a bit, a bit like people were cheering yeah. on the way out, but it were, it were piped because the, I'd seen tweets saying basically people are just silent. Like they've basically got to what we were talking about last week, the go away heat for Roman, which I'd said they were treading a fine line with it. Yeah, because you know if you're going to push him down the fans' throats, if they don't want him, they will eventually get sick of him. And I think what happened is. Because it's come out, you know, there is Roman, there's his WWE 24 documentary thing where he, where he explains the, the specific type that he had and the treatment and, and sort of how it goes about and things like that. So I think people have kind of realised that, you know, maybe the fans, and I'll blame us, yeah, because the WWE didn't actually do it. You know, it's the fans that heard cancer and thought the worst. We kind of made it a bigger deal than the WWE actually did. But at the same time, the WWE never really came out and went, you know, he's not dying. He's just got sort of, you know, which is CML, which has been said is a milder case of leukemia. It was caught very early by the WWE doctors and it were an oral tablet to treat it. So he didn't have to go through chemo and all that type of thing. So it's, but it came out and it was just like, I've, I've got cancer. Yeah. And I, everybody kind of thought the worst. Oh, I don't know about that, Jamie. Uh, you know. Well, he didn't just come out and say, I've got cancer and fuck off. Gonna be, no, no, no. This is, a, this is an interesting one because I would say that it came out for a big announcement. And the last time we had a big announcement, whenever that comes up, you think, fuck, okay, what's happened here? The last big announcement was Daniel Bryan having to retire from in-ring competition because yeah. of the amount of concussions. Before that, if I remember correctly, it was Edge coming out saying that he's had to retire because um, 
basically his neck can no longer take it anymore. So with them hyping, for lack of a better term, um, the idea of Roman Reigns is going to make a big announcement and Roman comes out and says, mm. I've got leukemia. It would be naive for me to say that I believe that Roman Reigns had like the worst form of cancer. All forms of cancer are awful, but you know, yeah. quite an aggressive, you know, uh, form of cancer because the way they set the stage and everything like that mm. was very much similar to when Daniel Bryan did that and when um, when Edge came out as well. Yeah. So I don't blame the fan base for turning around and going, what well, what the fuck happened, you know? If And it, it, for Roman to come out and explain exactly what form of leukemia mm. he's got and stuff like that, you know? But again, Vince is, Vince is still set in his carny-like ways, you know? And yeah. as depressing as this may seem, I get why there are some people out there that thought the whole thing was a work just to get Roman Reigns over. No, yeah, it's it's sort of it's a very difficult subject to talk about because we know that I know how people react. It's yeah, and it's nuanced though. That's the yeah. thing, you know. There's a, there's a real grey area in terms of how do you how do you book something like this, mm. which you shouldn't really book. They should have taken him off camera and then maybe put a, a release out saying this is the reason why Roman is is taken off camera. Yeah, this whole kind of fanfare that happened and then you know people coming out and you know uh, all of the love that he got and i'm not saying he didn't deserve any of the love you know because again no, leukemia is fucking love. nasty but all i'm saying is that i can get why some fans were upset because of the way the news was delivered were very much the same way as how news was delivered yeah. about those other retirements i think that's that's this sort of the same as, as a bit like what I was saying before, you yeah. know, that, that it's, we kind of assumed that, but they presented it in a way to make it look that way. And then never really came out and went, it's not actually that bad. You know, guys, he is, it's only very mild and he'll be all right. And he'll be back with within a few months, yeah. you know? So I think now what's happened is because essentially, I mean, it just felt like everything was put on pause and then he came back and it was just, we just picked up where we'd left off with, you know, everyone being fed to Roman, him being the big guy on Raw who gets everything for him. And I think now, if it's true with what the tweets were saying about how it's just silent and, you know, the cheer, the few cheers that were there were piped, were, I think now they've just got to the point where they're, they're sick of it now and they just want him They just want him to go away. They've, they've got to turn him. And I feel, I feel for him because... Him being Vince's pet project. Yeah. Vince has ruined that guy's career. Mm. The only way that he could salvage it, and like everyone out there with even a cursory knowledge of wrestling booking, knows that if he was to turn heel, we would all be invested in him again. Immediately. Yeah. Immediately invested, because I'd, I'd just be like, wow, this is interesting. Because as well, because I've now said, I don't think Vince would ever turn Roman heel. So if he did go heel, straight off, it's just, holy shit, Vince is doing something which I never thought he'd do. Where, where's this going to go? And, and they need to learn from the mistakes of the past, and that mistake being John Cena. Yeah. Which, interestingly enough, we had the Elias segment, 
Wait, where we got a heel John Cena. <laughs> no Undertaker. We got Doctor Thugonomics heel John Cena. Yeah. You know, uh, f- you know, wrestler, actor, fucking prop comic now with the yeah. amount of things that he threw out. You know, what can this man not do? Again, what I mentioned earlier, you know, as long as the big matches are done right, I can cope with the little fun things at WrestleMania. And, the, and this was, this was fucking brilliant. That was absolutely I absolutely brilliant. loved this bit. When the when the Thugonomics bit came up, I was loving it. Just seeing him come out, the, like, dressed like that again, his little rap, I can't remember exactly what he said, but his little rap... Talked about nuts, bush. Yeah, nuts, bush. What were one that he said? He said something about Elias has got the worst... He's got the worst deal because he's got John Cena about to turn heel or something. And I'm just like, that's fucking brilliant. Like and, it's and he so. called DAA, the FU. Yeah. Um, a lot of people started jumping up for joy, going, "Yes, the PG era has ended." Oh, no, 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 my friends. Mm. You know they he, make a lot. He of shot money. on himself as well, didn't he? Because he said uh, he said something about you suck almost as much as my matches do. Yeah. <laughs> or something like that. Yes. Yeah, so he, you know, he shot on himself. Uh, he took piss out of Elias. It were brilliant for the crowd to see. I mean, we all kind of knew Cena were turning up. Yeah. So it would it were good to to be swerved again and get Doctor of Thugonomics rather than you know hustle loyalty respect John Cena, which was good because it brought the crowd up again. Yeah, that little bit just sort of picked them back up again. Which I think, like I said, because of sort of how even though it was short because it felt like Roman and Drew went on so long. Yeah. And and it were kind of obvious that we were just going back to. Roman just being pushed to the moon again. I think it was just it were four and a half hours in. People were tired. The the sick of the Roman shit. The, they were just sleepy and tired and not really interested anymore. And then the Cena, little thugonomics bit just picked them back up. Yeah, prop comic Cena comes out like a proverbial pro plus tablet. Yeah, to wake everyone up. And then if I remember correctly, they got it with Triple H Batista. Yes, yeah, so we had Batista Triple H. Yeah, which one of the longest matches on the card? Yeah, I mean it went on far too long, and I think this is what we've obviously, like we said, Doctor Thugonomics coming out and just sort of perking everyone back up a little bit. We then went into this match, and this match just killed everyone again because it just went on far too long. It were, it was quite slow paced. Twenty four minutes. See, twenty four minutes for a match at this point. I mean. I love Papa H for what he's done. Yeah. I love what he's doing down at NXT yep. and what his team are doing. Yeah. But honestly, in 2019, we don't need Triple H wrestling at WrestleMania. And that's why in the prediction show last week, I expected Batista to win. Because I thought this was going to be Triple H's time to bow out and say, you know what? I am going to go away and concentrate on other things now. And like we said, seven and a half hours, what we mentioned at the beginning, you didn't need the Alexa Bliss Hulk no. Hogan segment, which you could have saved 10 minutes. You could have saved the 55 seconds. Well, it, five minutes because of the entrances. Yeah. So you could have saved five minutes with a Samoa Joe match. I mean, Roman and Drew, you could have saved... The, the way that they brought Roman back ultimately to get the shield angle, I mean, you re- you could have saved him for Mania and have him come back at Mania to a big pop. Yeah. So you could have got rid of that match and then really like just said, now we don't really need Triple H, so you could have got rid of this match. Which would have made the whole show a bit shorter and actually helped everything else come along a bit better. But we're still just booking matches that we don't really need. I mean, this, when when they hit their spots, they were brutal. A nose ring getting pulled out, um, a power bomb onto the stairs. You had, 
you know, the ending, which was basically a Superman punch with a sledgehammer. Yeah. Uh, you know, they did callbacks to the previous matches that they had before, which yeah. were quite cool, but it just didn't need to be 24 minutes no, long. No, you could have shaved 10 minutes off that. Yeah. And, you know, um, like I was saying to you uh, off air, you know, it could have been like a Goldberg Lesnar WrestleMania match, which was just balls to the wall, just just completely hard out 10 minutes, you know. I don't even think that Lesnar Goldberg match was even 10 minutes, you no. know. It, it was just. I think it was shorter Bru- than that. But yeah, brutal, fast paced, you know. 10 minutes, all out brutality. Like, like we said, the build to this was. A blood feud. It was supposed to be that Batista just wanted to rip Triple H's head off yeah. for ignoring him and not letting him come back. And then and Triple H wanted to rip Batista's head off for beating up Ric Flair. And that turned into a 25-minute sort of half wrestling match with weapons and things like that. Like, it's a 10-minute, like I said, all-out brutality. Just beat the fuck out of each other. But, I mean, that seems to be Triple H's modus operandi when it comes to WrestleMania matches, yeah. you know. You get high up the card. You have a decent amount of time. What what the fuck has entrance had to do with anything? Maybe he's a big Mad Max Fury Road fan. I'm not too sure about that. But Yeah, again, you know, I love him. Like I said, I love him for what he's doing in NXT. But yeah. it's just, it's now, I mean, he's nearly 50. I mean, he who else got a special entrance? Not very many people got a special entrance at Mania, but H got his. Mate, do you know... And, just, then, he, and then he went and got 25 minutes for a match that didn't need it. You know, when, just just off topic a minute, you, you watched G1 Supercard. Yeah. Apart from the camera angles, what did you reckon of fucking PCO's Frankenstein entrance? Um, apart, <laughs> apart from the camera angles, which, like I said, we'll discuss it in a little bit more yeah. detail. Um, I, thought it was, I thought it were actually quite good. If they'd have pulled it off right without the fuck up in the camera angles, it'd have been a really good entrance. Yeah. Um, but like I say, I'd, I'd, I'd sort of said to Benji previously that um, they sort of fucked the camera angles up where you could see the people come out and set the chair up and then you could see PCO come out and get in the chair to then be brought to life by the electric. So, yeah, that were a bit unfortunate. I but. mean, we complain about Kevin Dunn, but we'll, we'll, we want to touch upon Ring of Honor as part of our roundup of... Uh, WrestleMania weekend with with other companies as well. Um, Batista's retired. Yeah, and I I liked him. I I Batista got a lot of shit when he came back, but then also you read reports that he he knows what's good for business. You know, yeah. he didn't want to come back as a face uh, when he when he first returned. He wanted to come back as a heel, as kind of like the big bully against Daniel Bryan, and yeah. instead there was all of that. Um, he came back this time round. Um, I'm surprised because when the stipulation came up, I thought, that's it, Triple H will go back now and just concentrate on behind the scenes, doing his stuff there. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, Batista went out on his back, uh, and apparently the reason why he didn't announce it is because... He did not want to encroach on Kurt Angle's farewell, which I just think he's he's one of the fucking boys. He knows the business, man. Yeah. I'd love to see Batista in an agent role, but he's he's a Hollywood superstar yeah. now, isn't he? And the loyalty he showed to James Gunn throughout that whole Guardians of the Galaxy three thing, I uh, you know I know a lot of people online have said that kind of loyalty is mm. going to get him very far in Hollywood. Um, speaking of Kurt Angle, if I remember correctly, it was a Baron Corbin beating Kurt Angle. I don't really want to talk about this. 
Pez. Um, Fuck. I'll let you. I didn't watch it. You didn't watch it? No, no I, went, I, I went for a smoke. Six minutes. Um, you went for a smoke? Yeah. I think a lot of people did, you know. This was sort of my little, you know, break, go out, I'd sort of have a cig. Like. Well, because I went to bed when um, midway through the Drew... Uh, the Drew McIntyre Roman Reigns match, yeah. you know, and caught up everything the next day. Yeah, end of days is still the most protected finisher on the roster. Um, Kurt Angle had to lose because you know the unwritten rule of the business is that if you're retiring, you job yeah. on your way out. Look at what they did with Dean Ambrose. Mm. Um, yeah, that. Yeah. that I mean, that's it, about it for that match. Cause... Was it necessary? He could have just had a quick retirement ceremony and that was it. But, you yeah. know... Kurt, Again, you could have saved that match. Kurt doing what's right. I mean, a lot of people said that we do not know if Kurt um, picked Corbin himself or whatever. Yeah. Um, people are high on Corbin. They say that he, he's a great heel. He just manages to get underneath people's skin. If we are living in the uh, you know reality year in terms of kayfabe, then... Well done. You've managed to turn people against Baron Corbin because they think he sucks. Um, he isn't necessarily a bad wrestler. It's just there were so mm. many possibilities about who Kurt Angle could have wrestled in his retirement yeah, match. It's, it's just, it's just sad, isn't it, that he went out ultimately to someone who's essentially a jobber. <laughs> <laughs> for for want for want of a better word, I mean. Like I said, there's all the all the possibilities. I know we discussed on the last one the, yeah. the possibility of Cena to make it come full circle. You know, there's loads of people that they could have got in. They could, I mean, that could have been one of your, your, your sort of celebrity spots to get someone in. But, I mean, really looking at Kurt as well, I mean, his knees are fucked. He can barely move. He can't move his fucking head. Yeah, he can't move his head. His knees are fucked. Like, he, he just didn't need the match. But they needed to... Uh, he had to have his farewell. Uh, what what would have been better to have been giving him six minutes to just come out and just talk to the crowd? Yeah. If they're going to give him a six-minute match, why don't you just let him come out and talk to the crowd for six minutes and just recap some of like recap some of his stuff? They could have played a, a really nice video package and let the crowd, you know, chant "You suck" and you know "You deserve it," "Thank you, Kurt," or whatever that they chanted, you know, that type of stuff, and just let him go out sort of like that I mean they, they did that after the match anyway you know yeah. he had his little bit where he spoke and said bye to everyone so just let him just do that um Demon Finn getting the Intercontinental title back hot potato in that title aren't they they did it really quick it was quite a short match fucking hell he powerbombed Lashley which was cool because if they're gonna have like alright so Demon Finn has a different set of moves that just makes him more violent. Yeah. I can get behind that. That's quite... Uh, I quite like that. I mean, it's good that it hap- that he beat him very quickly with using Demon Finn. Yeah. Because, I mean, like a lot of people said, if, well, he didn't use Demon Finn for Lesnar, then why is he using Demon Finn for Lashley and the IC title when he didn't use it for Lesnar and the Universal title? But... You know, it's and then other people have said, "Well, if Demon, if Demon Finn never loses, why, why isn't he just always Demon Finn?" Because well, again, it's one of those kind of nuanced booking things. Yeah, it's like how um in Japan you had Kaiji Muto and yet the Great Muta, and the mm. Great Muta was the evil kind of the evil persona of uh, Kaiji Muto. Like, yeah. de- like, like, let's be honest, 
Demon Finn Balor, you know, is is a nod to the great Mutar and those Japanese yeah. gimmicks of alter egos, you know. So if people are turning around and saying, Well, why can't why can't Demon Finn always just, you know, end up wrestling and stuff like that? No, because Finn Balor got pushed to his limits in a feud mm. which then led to, Well, you've you've upset me that much, let me introduce you to the Demon King. Yeah. If I remember correctly, the build-up to Lesnar and Finn Balor didn't have Lesnar bullying. No, well, it was a really short build as well, because yeah. it were... Um, it was were, it were a couple of weeks after they announced that everything were going to change and the fans were going to be the authority and things like that. So I think it were a, sort of a quick rebooking of, of what was supposed to go down Yeah. to make it look a little bit different. Because it just came out of nowhere. It yeah. were like Finn, I think in, in the run-up to that, he'd lost something about six matches in a row or something like that so it yeah. just sort of came out of nowhere he'd done nothing to sort of earn this spot and it was just them essentially sort of rewriting the whole booking of, of the rumble and like I, I, right and if I was to book Finn Balor and Demon Finn long term and I, I love a bit of fantasy booking like we mm. mentioned uh, it's a shame Ric Flair didn't turn on Triple H but when he came out you I, expect, am, I, uh, I was like, oh my god. I was like, fucking <laughs> please, give me the book. Give Benji the book right now. Um, long-term booking, you could have that Finn loses control of his anger and just transforms into Demon Finn. And then you could have Demon Finn as this kind of like monster heel that tears you know half the roster apart. Mm. So it'd be quite interesting to see if they could go down something like, say, where Demon Finn is a heel, but normal Finn is a face. Yeah, I mean that's what um, they do with with um, um, with the Great Muta. You've yeah. got Kaiji Muto as a face, but the Great Muta is a heel. Yeah, it's just back then it was quite gimmicky that they inferred that both characters were completely separate people. Yeah, I think it'd be good if they acknowledged it's the same person and, yeah. and do that sort of internal struggle storyline thing with who they can do it. But I mean that takes real creativity. And we know that they don't have that. <laughs> well, I was going to say something mean. As uh, I was going to say something really mean, then it almost like putting me and you down. But do you think that maybe a lot of wrestling fans would get it? Do you think that it's a bit too deep of a storyline? Or I think for some of the casual fans, they wouldn't get it. I know we're kind of discussing this for casual fans at the moment, so you know, yeah, no, no offense for you guys. Sorry, but, casual fans, but you know you. You know, I've, I think there's some. I mean, if you're listening to a wrestling podcast, you're probably not the casualist of fans anyway. But I mean, like, you're uber casual fan. Yeah, sorry, Arthur. I just don't think... <laughs> I don't think he'll get it. I think they'll just look and, and sort of be confused and say, well, it's the same person. Yeah, No, 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 I don't, I don't get it. Like, why can't he just be Demon Finn all the time? That's all I'm thinking. All yeah. I'm saying. I think, yeah, I don't think they'd quite understand the way it were, gonna, it were, it were trying to be told. And like I said, for it to be... For it to be done well and for it to work, it'd have to be told really well and be really creative. And like I say, I just don't think that the, whoever they've got at the moment... I mean, they've got 30 creative writers, so I'm sure between three of them, that three of them could come up with a decent storyline. I mean, me, they... me and you can fantasy book half-decent stuff and we're not even creative writers. So 30 of them. 
Hey, hang about. I've got a fucking journalism degree. Well, yeah, you're, you're, That's you're a bit a of a dig, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm not and a creative. You're burying right. me on my own fucking <laughs> podcast as well. I'm not a creative. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Benji. You're a writer. I'm not, I'll, I'll rephrase that. Jamie's fucking going over <laughs> in this podcast. <laughs> Jamie fucking shoots on Benji. <laughs> yeah. Shooting hard. That's what we're going to clip on Instagram, just that little bit there. Yeah. Jamie shoots hard on noted journalist Benji Jackson. So you can write, I'm not a creative writer, but like I said, you know, if three of us get together, we can we can bounce ideas off each other. Yeah. And even things that I'd never think of in a million years, you say something and that sparks an idea in my head. I'm like, oh, we could do this. And, you know, like that, like that. And, and you get on a row. If there's 30 creative writers in a room, that must be happening. They can't all be that stupid that, you know, they just look at it and say, yeah, this is great. When it's like just a really bland, boring storyline. And, so, yet, and yet, dude, it's still better booking than Ring of Honor's elements in uh, G1 Supercard. Yeah. I'm absolutely going to go to town when we talk about I that. I think it just, I think at the moment it points to what, there's some, back, some backstage rumours are that, you know, there are 30 creative writers, but it's, it's Vince's decision. Yeah. At the end of the day, and they could they could bring fantastic storylines to Vince, but if he doesn't like them, he's going to ultimately reject them, and then he will write the storyline. So then it's gone from thirty creative writers to one person in Vince writing and, writing the entire show. And there are story there are rumors that go around, you know, news items on the dirt sheets that say that Vince will look at something and then. Spend the whole day rewriting an entire three-hour show. Yeah, I've heard rumors that have, like Raw a few months ago were still being. There's ones where it's still being written, like the third hour is still being written while the first hour is airing, and the change and, the, and they're actually changing it like with minutes to go before it's supposed to air. So they they obviously don't know what they want to do. Um. Last but by no means least, we had, well, the main event, the, the whole WrestleMania. If yeah. it wasn't Kofi and Daniel Bryan who kind of like snuck in quite an important build, you know, it was dominated by the fact that you had Ronda Rousey, Charlotte Flair, or, you know, Rick's daughter, as uh, yeah. Becky Lynch calls her now, and Becky Lynch herself. Winner takes all, so that fed into what you were saying last week about why the fuck did they take the title off Asuka. Yeah. So they've, they'd sorted it out on the Smackdown Go Home show, I think it was. It might have been the Raw one. It was the Raw, because I remember Stephanie came out and said her big announcement was that she was going to be the fourth competitor. Oh, yeah. We all shat ourselves, and then it turned out, ah, April Fool's, guys. Yeah, so they, they eventually sorted that out, like I say, on the Raw Go Home show. So we knew that it was going to be... Proper winner takes all. Yeah. Which were all right going into it. They did a nice couple of little bits. Charlotte flying in in the helicopter, which again were a callback to a dad. Uh, Ric Flair used that entrance. Can't remember what it were at, but uh, but it were at one of them. Um, I think it, it were a decent match, all in all. Yeah. I'll be honest, I probably need to go and rewatch it because, like I said, by 10 to 5 a.m., I was so tired that. I think I did nod off at one point in it for about 30 seconds and then and then sort of popped back up again. But I think just the crowd. I mean, I remember watching it and, and thinking, you know, the bits that I have seen, like these, they were putting on a fantastic match. It just got no reaction because the crowd was so dead by that point. Yeah. That 
they just the 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 they must have just been saving it for the finish because I think if they'd have cheered at any point throughout any any of the rest of it, they wouldn't have made it. And and even the bit before, they did the little break between the IC match and the main and the main event where our truth and Carmella came out and did I the, forgot about the and, dance break. And did the little dance break. Who cares? And again, and then the and then they went in sort of the promo package. And again, just because I wasn't bothered about it, yeah. scrolling through Twitter whilst I was looking at it, it were just people just say like, this has been going on for seven hours, just put the fucking main event on. Like, we don't need a dance break. And that's, again, what we're saying, that there's so much filler in between it, that, that that's what's made it a seven and a half hour show. I mean, so if we got rid of the Kurt Angle match... I think if you got rid of the Kurt Angle match, got rid of the dance break, got rid yeah. of the Samoa Joe... 55 second bit and, and your bits before which were probably yeah. about five minutes um got rid of the bit at the beginning with alexa bliss and hulk hogan yes. so, which were about 10 minutes shorten the length of the damn ramp yeah short, <laughs> shorten the length of the ramp shorten the match of the triple h batista match to, yeah. to 10 minutes and you'd have probably had a better wrestlemania because i know one of the things that i noticed and again we're going into it but when i watched the the g1 there were no like pre-match promo packages no. sort of hyping the match up. There were no bits in between. The only thing were the the mega run, the hip, the little rap bit, which yeah. led to Bully Ray coming out and setting and then starting the Bully Ray match. It would literally it would just the match finished, and it went straight into the next match, and that were and it were five and a half hours five and a half hours altogether. I mean, it was a good match. Um, Becky had to win, which I'm glad mm. they were in the the days leading up. Uh, rumours of a swerve, which would be that everyone expected Becky to win, so let's yeah. get Charlotte win, which is, uh, that's happened before, and it's a bullshit booking technique, you know, it was like when Chris Jericho was meant to win the Royal mm. Rumble, and everyone knew he was going to win the Royal Rumble, so they gave it to Sheamus, I mean, you know, yeah, happenstance is great, because Sheamus then went on to beat Daniel Bryan in, in less than a fucking minute, mm. and then that led to the whole Daniel Bryan kind of, you know, uh, the big super push but mm. um you, you know sometimes common sense is the best kind of booking so i'm grateful that becky lynch won and she pinned ronda yeah but the big takeaway from it is that ending where ronda didn't have her shoulders fully down yeah and unfortunately for as much i mean me and you thought that when we you know in the last podcast that you know, did Vince book it in such a way to have, you know, such a long show because he just wants to kind of demonstrate that, you know, maybe he he's not a fan. He doesn't think that the women's wrestling can go over and stuff like that, which is bullshit. But they fucking botched the ending. And yeah. that's, that is not everybody, but a lot of people are focusing more on that. Yeah. And it isn't the case of like, Becky won. It's more yeah, Becky won, but that ending. I think what's happened is is well because it running longer than it should have done. Yeah. Because like we said, the pacing got all fucked up as soon as Raw started. Yeah. Putting their matches yeah. on. That it it got really glossed over. I mean, my takeaway from it is I remember. I think for me, if if in a few years' time we spoke about it and, and said, "Remember WrestleMania thirty five? I'd probably say yeah, it's the one where Kofi won. Yeah. It, it was Kofi Mania. And I feel like it's Becky, and I know I said in the last one that I'm a massive Becky fan, yeah. and that's the match that I wanted, and I wanted Becky to win so much. And I just feel like it were a botched pin 
and then I kind of saw her holding the belts up, and then that were it. It were all, it were done. It had gone off air. But even the crowd didn't realise what was going on. I mean, why couldn't they have Ronda tap? So I've seen something about this, which obviously the logical sort of ending to it was to have Ronda tap yeah. with the whole thing about the fake bullshit armbar and things yeah. like that. But apparently, um, it's. I mean, it does make sense if you look at it in this sense that she's never been submitted in UFC, which is sort of a legit sport. Um, sort of a legit. Well, it's sport. sort of a legit sport, isn't it? It's a, it's a legit. It's more legit <laughs> than than wrestling, but. Would it so, make would yeah. it then make sense for a wrestler to submit Ronda when an actual MMA fighter has never submitted Ronda? All right, now I can get behind that, and yeah, it, me- so. it leaves it open that someone can get the super rub when they finally tap Ronda Rousey out. Yeah, if that ever happens. So it, you you know the the sort of switched it into the pin. They did it a good way, sort of reversing it into it. Um, I think it's like we said before we kind of really got going with everything we were talking about the referees and I know I said that because the referees are clued in on it and they know when it's coming they don't really look at the shoulders they just drop down and count the one two three so I don't think he ever really noticed that the shoulders came up because if you also look at his position he's not in the best position to be looking at Rousey's shoulders anyway no I mean I think Becky's head's sort of blocking where his view well, I read somewhere that apparently, you know, there are certain things, there are certain bits of communication when you wrestle. Like, uh, if someone takes a massive bump, they squeeze the person's hand to make them know, oh, look, I'm absolutely fine. Mm. Another one I read, which I didn't, which I'm not too sure if it's true or not, is that um, you, when there's a pinfall attempt that there's, when, and there's a kick out, then they will never look at the referee. Mm. But if it's a pinfall that is meant to take place, then they look at the referee during the pinfall. Mm. But that could just be some bullshit that someone made up on YouTube, you know. But yeah. it, 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 um, I don't know, it could be because I mean, I've noticed a lot. If you want to go, if you really want to start watching wrestling from like a proper smarky angle, yeah, like just watch the, the person who's taking the pin, just look at their eyes, yeah, because. Even if they start with their eyes closed, they will they watch the referee's arm so they can see when it's coming down for the three count so that they can then roll out of it. I mean, you've seen the ones. Of, I mean, obviously the referee knows, and it's the referees aren't they don't have cat cat like reflexes. No. They know that they're not going to count the third one because we've seen before where the where wrestlers haven't got the shoulders up in time, but and the referees just sort of missed. You know, it's like a one two and then not counted the third. Yeah, and the the shoulders are still down. And then the kick out. So, you know, it's not like the referee's actually watching and goes, oh, shoulders are up. I'll stop counting. So they know to not count to three. But again, that means that when they do count to three. Yeah. Well, they're not looking. They're just, this is the one where I count to three. So they just get down, count to three and don't actually look at what's going on. So I think from it, I think looking at the way Becky kind of pulls her down, I think Ronda's a bit off balance, which causes the shoulders to pop back up. Yeah. And then she kind of gets back into position where they come down. So, you know, it's just that I think it's, the refs expected her to just get straight into it. So counted the one, two, three. If it had, if it had watched, it could have seen that she kind of struggled to get her into the pin and, and sort of delayed it a little bit and then gone one, two, three. Because Ronda had, had stayed down. She'd have kept her shoulders down four, yeah. three. She knew that was the ending. So... And I mean, it was a bit unfortunate that... Yeah, it's the saddest thing is that, you know, the biggest kind of talking point that we've got on such a monumental occasion that is, uh, you know, 
women headlining a WrestleMania event, and we're focusing more on the botch rather yeah. than the match itself, you know. But yeah. there are so many elements. I mean, my reason why I'm concentrating on that is at that stage, everyone was flat. Yeah. Everyone was flat. You when... could tell them barely anything got a reaction. No, I mean, because, you know, apart from that element of John Cena and maybe a in couple fact, of the spots. In fact, there's one, there were one point, which I've just remembered. Um, I can't remember who would, what move they were doing, but I think it was Becky and Ronda that were sat on the top turnbuckle waiting, yeah. trying to do a move. Yeah. And it was that quiet, you could hear them breathing. They, they were breathing heavy because they were tired. Yeah. And you could fucking hear them breathing. It was that quiet in the stadium because nobody were cheering. And it's not that they weren't invested in the match. And it's not, at the same time, it's not that it was such a good match that people just sat and watched it. It's just that they were so tired. I mean, there is talk that WrestleMania could be something that spans two nights rather than one. I mean, if they want to carry on making it seven and a half, eight hours, nine hours, it's it's got to go over two days. Yeah. In future. If they want to keep it to, to a day, then for me, I think it's got to max out at five hours. Yeah, absolutely. And is that including a pre-show or disregarding a pre-show? I'd... I, I, honestly, mate, I'd cut the pre-show, pre-show down to one hour, yeah. So that all in all, you've got six, yeah. But for some fans who don't watch the pre-show, it's only five. Um. So yeah, I mean, in in summary, it, it was a good, it was a fan service WrestleMania. We got everything we wanted. Yeah. We in got, summary, it were a good yeah. WrestleMania. We overall. got uh, Kofi winning. We had Seth Rollins win. We had Becky win. We had John Cena doing a heel turn. Um. We had a, a really good AJ Styles Randy Orton match. Um, we had a fantastic showing for the NXT guys who you know basically came in last mm. and got some really good entrances. But and I'm sure it's the bugbear for everybody. It was just so damn long. Yeah. And the pacing just fell apart by the time we got to mm. McIntyre and Roman. And I, I think I agree with you, man. Where you said that. Had had McIntyre have won, it would have perked people up and gone, okay, this isn't going as expected, you yeah. know, which is real choosy of me because, yeah, I, I just said that, you know, obvious booking is sometimes the best booking, but mm. it's, keep us on our toes a little it's bit. It's context. Sometimes obvious booking is best in some cases. Obvious booking in some cases is not best. Um, so. Notable absences. No Undertaker. Nope, no Undertaker, but he showed up on Raw. Yeah. So. Um, no Kevin Owens? No. Well, I'm probably happy with that. I mean, it's better than shoehorning him into a match. We yeah. no build. I mean, Sammy came back on Monday. Um, it's just unfortunate that Kevin just became almost like a, a chess piece in the holding pattern to get Kofi's push as a WrestleMania push rather than... Yeah, you know, I think before they decided to do that, I think with Sammy coming back on Raw... I think the original plan was for them both to come back after Mania. Yeah. It's just they brought him back earlier to try to do that sort of angle of, of Owens replacing Kofi. But then because he never had any original WrestleMania plans anyway, it's just like, well, we brought him in for that, and then, well, we've got no to do with you now until after Mania when we'll yeah. pick up the plans that we'd originally written for you. Well, I mean, uh, even looking at um, uh, the post-WrestleMania Raw and SmackDowns, like post post Wrestle. Post-Wrestlemania Raw. 
Try saying that when you're stoned, mate. Post-WrestleMania <laughs> Raws are normally kind of raucous events, but forgive me for saying this, but there wasn't anything too noteworthy. We had Undertaker um, make an appearance. Mm. We had Lars Sullivan finally come in and, and make a proper debut on the main roster. You had Lacey Evans finally do something that wasn't walking down to the ring. There was no Roman Reigns on the card. Mm. Um, you had the tease of Seth Rollins and Kofi Kingston uniting the male heavyweight titles that led into the bar. You, like, uh, you had all these people crossing over like the brand split didn't yeah. happen. Um, SmackDown, again, no surprises. Braun Strowman came out again. Um Drew McIntyre made an appearance. Yeah. Like a Drew McIntyre Kofi Kingston reign would be good. And you could get um sorry, a match would be good. What I was trying to get at was you could get McIntyre beating Kofi so suddenly and mm. getting that heat and then Kofi does the whole kind of chasing to SummerSlam kind of thing, you know. Yeah, I think that'd be good. But I mean, it's looking like there's gonna so there's gonna be a Lacey Evans versus Becky Lynch program. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be a... It looks like a Randy Orton, Mustafa Ali program. That's going to look yeah. pretty good as well. I think that could be interesting. Um, maybe we get a McIntyre-Kofi program on SmackDown after the shake-up. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I think, like I say, with, with the Superstar shake-up being next week, I think they've just... They've not really thought about everything and just sort of said, you know, let's... Maybe, maybe it's like you were saying before, um, that it's... Are they testing it? Are they just testing the waters of Raw and SmackDown yeah. to see how some of the other superstars, sort of, what reactions they get on on opposite brands? Um, but I think all in all, with with the superstar shakeup being next week, I think it was just a bit of let's have let's have a little bit of fun with sort of the booking and, and get different people going different places just uh, to really do something different. But I mean, it kind of fell flat because, like we said, SmackDown. It, it, I mean, in the end, it just felt like a normal SmackDown. It wasn't even a good normal SmackDown. No. And it wasn't. It wasn't really a good normal Raw. And I know I've just said that overall WrestleMania were good. Yeah. I think in terms of a of a wrestling show, it was good. I think in terms of WrestleMania, it were it were a little bit sort of lackluster because I don't think there were very much that ever really made it feel like Mania. No. I mean, like when, like in the predictions when I know I said like people would probably think I'm obsessed with people turning heel, but I said but there were but there were like Big E could have turned heel yep. or Woods could have turned heel, Roman could have turned, I mean AJ could have turned, and like there, there were nothing, there were no turns, and there were even no turns on Raw or SmackDown. After. <coughs> I mean that's a great point. There was nothing hugely surprising. The surprise was that we got pretty much everything that we wanted, and it was. The majority of the winners were all faces, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was good. I mean, the high moments were great, but when it just slowed, it it just it dragged. And I think that's yeah. the problem. If it was short and concise, maybe five hours, like you said, it would have been great, you know. Um, and I just fucking hate Baron Corbin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not the worst. It's not the worst WrestleMania. No. It's not the best WrestleMania, but it did it did its job. And you know, like I said, it's niggle complaints. But overall, we've got three new champions, which are all faces, and it's all what we wanted. Uh, welcome back. So 
WrestleMania, pretty much our mecca. Yeah. Super Bowl. And alongside WrestleMania, you don't just have the WrestleMania event itself. You have a series of events. WWE itself has a takeover. It has the WWE Hall of Fame. It has access. Yeah. Um, you've got to also bear in mind that other wrestling companies, quite rightfully so, piggyback off the you know popularity of WrestleMania because it is our big date in the wrestling diary. There's that, and I would be inclined to say that um, the uh, January 4th New Japan shows uh, mm. are equally as big on the calendar. Yeah. But because of WrestleMania being in the United States and everybody knows the WWE, of course, a lot of other companies are inclined to do things. Now, um, we can't go into everything that happened over the WrestleMania weekend. I mean, you had WrestleCon, <laughs> you had WrestleCon, you had so many GCW events like a Joey Janela Spring Break three. Yeah. Um, you had uh, I, I did watch um, Josh Barnett's Bloodsport because it had Barnett versus Minoru Suzuki, mm-hmm. had Simon Gotch in it as well against uh, Jr. Kratos, um, which was a fantastic event. But let's concentrate on the the big ones with no disrespect to any other wrestling promotion let's concentrate on takeover let's concentrate on the hall of fame because uh, evidently something that happened there and then um let's uh, have a chat about the g1 supercard and perhaps when i think back to all the conversation that we had you know with our wrestlemania 35 review um we were absolutely fucking spoiled with NXT TakeOver. There no. was not a... The worst match on that show was the rest, was the women's four-way. And even then, it was a solid match. It was yeah. just in contrast to everything else that went over. Um, I'm going to hand this to you because you've got nothing but good things to say about that Adam Cole-Gargano two out of three falls match, have you? I mean, that just... was... I mean, TakeOver as a whole was... Quite, I'm not exaggerated. It was one of the best wrestling shows I have seen from top to bottom. Yeah, I mean, what NXT is doing is far and away the best thing of Mania weekend. Um, I think, like you, like you just said, Mania is sort of it's our Super Bowl. It's it's like Mecca. I mean, I think now for the for the smart smart fans, smarks, people that actually like wrestling more. And, and stories that are telling. I th- Takeover is now the the premier event on yeah. the weekend. I mean, I watched Mania. We've just reviewed it and just discussed it. Obviously, I watched it, but I watched it because I am a wrestling fan, and you know we'd be discussing it and things like that. But I watched Takeover because that's the one that I wanted to yeah. sit down and watch, um, and it was absolutely fantastic. The their tag team division is. Brilliant. Alistair Black and Ricochet, who... Alistair Black and Ricochet have wrestled for the Raw Tag Team Championships on, on the Go Home Show. Yep. Then wrestled for the NXT Tag Team Championships after winning the Dusty Classic at the TakeOver. Yeah. And then wrestled for the SmackDown Championships at WrestleMania, which is fantastic for them. And But but also down in NXT, like I said, that match against the, Raid, the War Raiders were just absolutely brilliant. The focus that they put on tag team wrestling down there and telling a story... In the match, like we mentioned, what seventeen matches for Mania? Five matches, all title matches, all title matches in, in the space of three hours. Okay, 
um, all have fantastic builds. And you, you've got to remember as well that they had to change booking on the fly when uh, it turned out that Champa had to have neck surgery. I think so, three, week, but three weeks before, four yeah. weeks before. I mean, what they had coming up was going to be the best takeover ever. Yeah. If you'd have carried on and had the, main, the planned main event of Champa versus Gargano, it had been fantastic. The fact that they still pulled off a five-star show. I mean, if you want to start going into Meltzer ratings, probably a six-star show. Has Meltzer rated it yet? I don't, I don't know, actually. Keep going, I'm going to take um, a look at Probably a six-star show. And the fact that they had to book that like with four weeks to go, still managed to get a decent build out of it with a logical story as to why it were Adam Cole in the main event with Johnny. And and then still put on that fantastic show. Just shows that these are people that actually understand wrestling and understand how to portray a wrestling show in a in an enjoyable way that keeps everybody invested the entire way through it. And that crowd started hot and never shut up all the way through it. Everything was made better because of crowd interaction, the spots that were being pulled off. Like I said, the worst match was probably the women's match. And even then, it was still a good match. Um, I think the way that they showcased the UK title match and had Pete Dunne versus Walter and really gave them some time to go for it, that was were, that were the perfect showcase for your, for your British strong style type of wrestling match. Yeah. Uh, the things that you'll see on like Progress and, and Fight Club Pro and things like that. You know, letting Walter... I mean, it were obvious Walter were going to win because it was, Pete's reign was so long. It just didn't make sense for Pete to to keep holding the title. It kind of gone over everybody in his 685 day reign. Yeah. So it made if it if if it'd have gone over Walter, it'd never lost it because it'd have just been well, who's ever going to beat him. I don't know what's more sad, man, like that I couldn't find the star ratings cuz they're not out yet or the fact that Google uh, will auto predict Meltzer NXT Takeover New York 2019 star ratings. One website mm. is set up just ready and waiting to implement those stars that Meltzer's gonna give. Really? Yeah. I think it I think it's out today actually. I think the it comes out in the newsletter and I'm pretty sure the newsletter comes out on Wednesday, so obviously American time difference we'd have to wait probably a couple of hours. Yeah, this going out. out on Friday. Yeah. He's he's gonna give it plus plus five. It's gonna be the whole show is is a five star show. The main event itself was Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it, it started off slow. There, there were a little bit just before the first fall where it, it looked as if they were doing it all on half speed and it looked a bit weird and I were a bit worried at that point. Yeah. Um, Because I think Johnny did something where he, he kind of flipped Cole over, I think, and Cole had to jump over him and roll and then go run against the ropes. Yeah. And you, you could sort of see them going through the motions of if it didn't flow. It were really slow and static and looked a bit weird, and I were really worried at that point that it were going to bomb. But then they just they just started picking the pace up more and more, and the first fall came. And when Adam when Adam Cole got the first fall, I were like, "Oh, this is it! Like, are they gonna?" I know we'd mentioned it. Yeah. Are they gonna do the reset here? Like, are they gonna do the reset where? Because because whenever year two out of three falls match, everybody knows that it's gonna go one one. Yeah. And then you're going to get the final fall. But what, what they'll do is eventually at some point down the line, the, what they'll, do, they'll reset it where someone wins in two straight falls. 
just to reset that sort of expectation in yeah. wrestling fans' minds. And, you know, the, the way that the book it, that would have been a massive swerve for Cole to just get the two falls straight up, which they could have done something with Johnny after that. But they went, they, they went one all, and ultimately then Johnny got it, which was, for me, it was the right choice. Yeah, well, in the it end. had to, because it closes that redemption story arc at the end. You had that bald fuck come out, Champa, and <laughs> then they kind of hit the reset button on that feud for the minute because they all hugged and were happy. Um, what I really liked about TakeOver was it, it had so many different kind of wrestling styles. Yeah. Which kind of sounds a bit ridiculous. I mean, the most obvious one is that um, I absolutely loved Walter versus Dunn. Yeah. Um, I even asked Maeve to sit down and watch it, and even she noticed that it's a little bit different because it was more of a European catch-as-catch-can yeah. style, um, which when they brought in Zack Sabre Jr. for the Cruiserweight Classic, apparently it didn't go over too well, but I think you've got NXT fans mm. that are familiar with you know that kind of style. That it went over great, and I'm a big fan of Walter. Simple guy, meaty, chops the shit out of people. His power moves work. Watching him come off the top rope just as a desperation move was great. Yeah. Then you had um, Velveteen Dream versus Matt Riddle. I mean, Riddle's a you know, comes from an MMA background, so it's a lot of strikes. Um, Velveteen. As far as as far as I'm concerned, he wrestles a WWE style. It's yeah. just a bit more has a bit more flair to it. Um, that was brilliant. Tag match was absolutely brutal. Yeah. Um, women's match was absolutely great as well. Can't get over the fact that Bachelor has retained yet again. Yeah, I was actually really surprised that that Shayna retained it. I thought that I put it on. I think in the predictions I said, um, or oh, I don't. We didn't do a takeover prediction, but I were talking. To you about yeah, it. yeah. It said Belair, and I were expecting Bianca Belair to win it. I thought, you know, they'll save, they'll save Sane and, and Shirai for like a tag team thing yeah. down the line. Shane is probably going up, going to get called up, so they're going to take it off and put it on Bianca Belair. Which, with a, having the whole sort of undefeated gimmick going along, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, but they decided to actually that she was the one that tapped. In the end, so they've kind of, so she she's not undefeated anymore, which it takes a bit of pressure off her booking wise. You know, the, it frees her up to do more things. Yeah. Um, I mean, is she really properly undefeated? She did lose to Shayna Baszler at the last takeover, but she didn't tap. She passed out. So it's a bit. It's that grey area that the booking team like to mess around with, don't they? I also quite like the fact that NXT is being treated. It's like a homage, like it, it was, you know, you had Dusty's kids. Dusty had a very profound influence yeah. on NXT. Triple H is a massive fan of the NWA, you know. Yeah. If he's not if he's not paying homage to Ric Flair in terms of cross chops and the pacing and stuff like that, then, you know, way back when he's, uh, you know, stealing Harley Race's steeds with the big mutton chops and, you know, yeah. the facial hair and stuff like that. That... The title match was a two out of three falls match, and back in the day, the NWA territories, you know, for the most part, when a title was defended, the touring champion, it mm. would be a two out of three falls match. You know, there are so many elements with NXT with with their takeovers that 
do pay tribute and it's a wrestling show yeah it's not like a sports entertainment extravaganza it is a proper wrestling show simple angles um all of which could end up in blood feuds i thought that you know had champa not been out injured it would have been the payoff because that in effect yeah. was a blood feud i thought that um War Raiders versus uh, Black and Ricochet was just a hard-hitting affair. It, just everything about it, it, it was short. Uh, I preferred it over WrestleMania, to be honest with you. I preferred it over WrestleMania. I mean, honestly, it at the end of that, I think, like you said, it was about three hours, wasn't it? Yeah. Three, three, three and a half hours. Honestly, at the end of that, I could have had another hour. None I could have it. sat there for another hour and just carried on watching it. I could have watched Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole wrestle a three out of five falls match. None of it, yeah, like none of it, none of it dragged, man. None no. of it dragged. It all worked, you know. Um, the Josh Barnett blood sport event worked really well. Yeah. I, I don't know if you if you caught any of that. But I didn't see any. The stick is that basically mm. it's all kind of like shoot fighting, pancrase. Yeah. Um, they set up the ring. The ring doesn't have any ropes. It's just a really interesting affair, and and I really enjoyed that. I didn't get to watch the DDT. Um, that Japanese promotion I didn't get to see yeah. them do anything because again we could sit here for like seven and a half hours ourselves to talk about every single event that took place There's so much happened I do want to touch upon uh, the Hall of Fame before I talk about the G1 Supercard because yeah. it kind of plays into uh, an angle that happened at the Supercard which a lot of people are pissed off about Tamatonga yeah. um, included Wink Kayfabe <laughs> Or is it work shoot? Where's Russo when we need him? Um, <laughs> Hall of Fame event. They changed the layout, so it was yeah, within so. a wrestling ring itself. Mm. Um, I didn't actually watch it. I saw what I saw. Yeah, the Bret Hart thing well, that's, on, that's, on the internet after. That's the, yeah, that was one the of the things that thing. I noticed that the, it were now in the ring and it were a different setup for it and, and stuff like that. And yeah, I, I mean, not to take away from the people that got inducted, it was mm. great. Yeah, DX was that yeah. now. Is that like three for Triple H now in terms of Hall of Fame rings? X Pack, X Pack easily got two, NWO and also, yeah, DX. Did the yeah. Click get inducted or were the Click just there for Shawn Michaels induction? No, the I think the Click got inducted. Or did I'm, gonna I'm not sure. We're gonna have that. to check back because I can't remember whether the Click got inducted or the Click inducted Shawn Michaels. God, it's all incestuous sometimes, yeah. isn't it? I think the click got inducted. But the big takeaway was the idiot that tackled Bret Hart. Yeah. And Dash Wilder Dash nailing w- that guy. Dash man. Wilder dropping that guy was... actually. Do you know what? I've, I, that was actually the best thing about the entire weekend. Just When you see the video, just now he just jabs him and then just walks off and sits down. Put him on his ass. Fantastic. Um, I mean, that guy is. I don't want to give him too much. Sort of no, no. I mean, let, like let, that, well, so. let's just be cursory about it because there's been so much about there about this. You know, it detracts from the fact that you know the Heart Foundation, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, you know, rest his soul, and it fucking took away from that moment, which I think is incredibly unfair. Yeah. Apparently, the guy has got an issue with like. He's one of those wrestling fans that thinks the product's a bit too real. Yeah, it's We've still all real got a friend like that. I had a friend once that I'd have to talk to him 
completely in kayfabe. Really? Yeah, no, honestly, man, it was weird, you know. Um, But yeah, someone jumping from, uh, jumping over Over the the fucking thing. I don't think there was a barrier there. So I think a lot of people now are asking for the Hall of Fame event to be a separate event. It's a bit more costlier, but then you can have a smaller kind of Mm. intimate setting, black tie affair. If if people want to go to the Hall of Fame, that's that's great. But maybe not include it as part of a WrestleMania package. Or if you are, yeah, I just get people it's... to pay a bit more because you're just gonna have fucking idiots steal the show. It's not a real Hall of Fame anyway, is it? To be honest, it's just Vince's favorite people. Yeah, fuck Drew Carey being in the Hall of Fame, man. I mean, like, there's the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, which is the the proper Hall of Fame. Yeah. And then there's the WWE Hall of Fame. Well, weren't they talking about the Performance Center in Florida holding a, a, a physical Hall of Fame? I'll believe that mm. when I see it. That's yeah. like when people talk about, like, the WWE Network's going to have tiered pricing, and I'll believe that when it actually happens. Yeah, I don't think they'll do that, to be honest. Um, I mean, one last thing for that guy yeah. before I move on. I mean, he's clearly an idiot because he did it. He did it at the event where all the wrestlers are in the crowd. Yeah. If you'd done it at, like if you'd done it at the takeover at Mania or at a show, all the wrestlers are backstage and it's just fans that are outside. He decided to do it at the event where all the fucking wrestlers are at ringside. I mean, don't they normally do it on a stage? They're not. Yeah, it's normally on a big stage and they walk up to it. But like I said, they did it in the ring instead. But. I mean, that ain't happening. The people, again. the people got in that ring so quick. I mean, the, <laughs> Travis Brown were in there. Travis Brown gets a good few shots in. Yeah. Um, who else were in there? Yeah, now? Drake Maverick. Yeah, Drake Maverick jumped in. Yeah, um, Braun Strowman. Yeah, Braun Strowman were point. in. Um, who's the who's the one that's got kids? Heath Slater. Yeah, yeah, fuck, he was not. And Heath, Heath Slater's Slater like a former Golden Gloves boxer as well. Yeah. You know, so. And then and then Dash Wilder just giving him that little jab on the way back to it were just fantastic and I mean I've seen people say you know the wrestlers shouldn't be punching him it's, it's assault or whatever at the end of the day you know from I'm a wrestling fan yeah the one there's one rule in wrestling is that you don't you don't jump the barriers no, you, don't. you don't attack the talent no and matter you, what you know as a wrestling fan that there's an unwritten rule which is if you jump over and you you know if you basically fuck about yeah prepare to get you're gonna get up. yeah you're gonna get fucked up and um, speaking about jumping guardrails yeah so the g1 supercard um the oh. new japan matches were absolutely spot on um give jay white a bit of a break i know people are expecting him to just easily step into that kenny omega position yeah. um remember that jay white back in 2016 was still considered a new japan young lion you know yeah. um I just think it's unfair that people are holding him. He's a good wrestler. I mean, I'm a New Zealander, so, you know, sure, brother, I'm going to defend you all the way, you know. Yeah. And Tumeke, the the amount of people that are giving you grief. Tumeke, bro. But them holding him, them putting him on a pedestal up there with Akada, with Tanahashi, with Omega, with Ibushi, those guys have had, you know... A lengthy amounts of time wrestling and honing their craft than Jay White has. Yeah, and that and Jay White is a very good wrestler. You know, I wonder if people have got an issue with the fact that he's got a New Zealand accent. That 
Is, I don't is, know what is it is with him. To he's be honest, good, but it's like, just, but I think I'd seen I'd seen some of that. I think some people's issues were that they were trying to break America, so they had, you know, it were on a white foreign person when, you know, they're sort of ignoring the Japanese talent yeah. in a Japanese company to try and break a new market. But I mean, look back. There's there's a good 75-80% of the IWGP champions are Japanese talents. And yeah. then you've only got your odd one in between. Omega, Lesnar, for example. Um, you yeah. had Vader back in the day. Yeah, Vader back in the day. Um, so. You know. Yeah, you had like all sorts, you know. But booking-wise, it was just a culmination of Gato turning on... Pardon me, Gato turning on Okada. Yeah, it's... You know, I, I, it's still just, a wrestling show at the end of the day. And just because you're a Japanese wrestling show doesn't mean that you're always going to have Japanese champions. No, I mean, it's the same... Like, Kenny Omega came out and made an argument that, well, you know, like, in today's society, I don't see why New Japan can't book a, a, a women's division. Yeah. Well, I can tell you that easily, Kenny. Um, you look at the Women of Honor and the way that's been booked by Ring of Honor, and it's shit. It becomes a form of tokenism then. Yeah. You, If you want to have that kind of division... Fucking, you gotta book it properly, you know. WWE had a women's division that is finally being booked great, you know. Some of it. Some of it. All right, admittedly, NXT's some of it. Got NXT's gotten better, you know. Um, in Japan, you have independent women promotion, uh, female promotions, like you know, like Stardom. Back in the day, when I was like collecting pure, you know, Japanese wrestling tapes, you had like all Japan women's, you had Ash, and you had all sorts, you know. Um. Yeah, I, I, I just think that it's unfair for Kenny to, to make that comment, you know. And I, I just think that sometimes things, they don't have to... You can't have that tokenism. I forgot yeah. where I was going with that. I'm still <laughs> pissed off about the whole people dicking on Jay White, you know. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, th- that was still a great match. Was that your first New Japan match by chance, or...? No, oh, is this your first, first New Japan card, or no? The first, it's the I think it's the third one I've watched. So I watched Wrestle Kingdom in January, which was fucking, which were fantastic. Yeah. and then Wrestle Kingdom last year was the first New Japan. What show you reckon that of that? Um, I thought it was good. Yeah, it was really good. Um, like I said before, I mean, I mean, going to like your, you know your Brit rest stuff, Progress, Fight Club Pro, Attack, yeah, and WWE. Um, and then I'd not really looked at the Japanese stuff as much. So Wrestle Kingdom, I knew it was yep. sort of like their WrestleMania. So I'd gone into it from it from a WWE fan perspective, saying right, what's another company it's, big show like? It's, it's cool, man. And, but, and and the Japanese wrestling has become a lot more accessible now because yeah. you've got New Japan World, you've got um, Big Japan Core, yeah, uh, you've got DDT have have their network. Um, I'll send you a link once we're done because uh, Pro Wrestling Noah are now putting their matches on YouTube and it's oh, quite cool. recent. Yeah. Uh, you've also got um, old All Japan matches appearing. So it's accessible, but um, fucking hell, New Japan is the number two company and they've yeah. got this long-lasting relationship with Ring of Honor, um, which, which I will go into the Ring of Honor sides in a minute. I want to focus on the positives mm. rather than just straight up go into what happened. Um, the uh, Ibushi Naito match was fantastic. That was absolutely brilliant. The crossover matches between New Japan and Ring of Honor were good as well. You know, yeah. the uh, 
the Fatal 4-Way tag for both the titles was great, apart from the ending. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the uh, Jeff Cobb versus Will, Will Ospreay match. For enough, I mean, this WrestleMania weekend was all about opening matches being absolute bangers, mm. you know, from Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar to um, the NXT tag match to the G1 Supercard, mm. you know, on a rumble aside... Yeah, because it was a pre-match. So I, mean, I love that opening match. Like I said, coming from you know, like you've been into the Brit Rest stuff and progress, and seeing Osprey from like way back when, when it were like you know the, the single figure chapters. I think he first made his debut, and and what he's done with Jimmy Havoc and, and other people and Paul Robinson, sort of Essex, all the way through the progress stuff. Yeah, I were really excited. I know that. I, like I said, I've, I've watched some New Japan stuff before, so I know what Osprey does over in Japan, but. I mean, Osprey versus Cobb, because I remember the first time I ever saw Jeff Cobb was yeah. actually a, a Tidal show, so a local Leeds promotion. Um, just a small one, but I saw Jeff Cobb there, so I'd, I'd seen him before and I knew what he were about and where he were coming from. And that was just an absolutely fantastic match. I mean, a good hard-hitting, high-flying affair, which you expect from Osprey. I mean, I know he's done... He, on his Twitter, he's dropped the aerial bit from the aerial assassin because he's focusing a bit more on... Well, is it going to try and push him up Power to a heavyweight moves. now that he's uh, moved away from the yeah. open weight? Um, you had Dragon Lee, Ishimori, Bandido. I loved that. I loved the three promotion triple threat. CMLL, Arena and uh, New Japan. Um, it's looking increasingly likely now that Mark Haskins and yeah. Bandido are both going to appear in the Best of the Super Juniors. Um, like we were talking when you know throughout the weekend, this can only mean that Dragon Lee's going to get more bookings. Yeah. Um, Zack Sabre Junior. Uh, Tanahashi, another fantastic match as well. All New Japan matches, and there's always been an argument that Ring of Honor, and this is a separate podcast completely because mm. I want to just go into it. Um, because Delirious gets a lot of shit, and yeah. just spoiler alert for for the podcast I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to give Delirious a lot of fucking shit about his booking decisions. And I know he's part of a booking committee, but the buck has to stop somewhere, and him and Joe Koff have got a lot of explaining to do. Yeah, financially, Ring of Honor's in a better place, but you've got to spend the money on production values at least, which, when we talk about the tag match, yeah, a, a lot. Um. And yeah. We mentioned earlier the PCO entrance. Oh yeah, yeah, just the absolutely. fuck up with the camera angles and things like that. But I mean, it, it just it just seems that Ring of Honor have solely relied on New Japan talent, which I get, but at the expense of building their own talent because, like we mentioned, their Women of Honor, you know, the Women of Honor division that they've got just seems kind of like an afterthought, you know. Yeah, I mean that the. Right, Kelly Klein against Mayu Iwatani. Yeah. Well, it it wasn't a great match. No, to be fair, it, then, it didn't really get any much traction going. And then they just had a really bad angle with TNA. Two, yeah, two, a couple of talent from TNA coming yeah. out, uh, eventually being cut off the the allure. Yeah, with the anarchy logo. Yeah, with the anarchy logo. So, I mean, I don't not not a you know downside or anything. Cause like I said, the NXT women's division is fantastic, and and look at some of the. The matches that the women put on in not only in NXT but NXT UK and Progress and Fight Club Pro, uh, you know, the amazing women wrestling Tony Storm, Charlie Evans, Millie McKenzie, yeah. Ginny, you know, all these people are fantastic. I just think those 
And it's probably the angle because I don't watch Impact. Yeah. And I don't really watch much Ring of Honor as well. So I mean, if it, if that's their gimmick, then fair enough. But it it seems that they were just stuck in the nineties. I mean, it looked like they were just it were divas. Yeah, rather no, than exactly. women's wrestling. Because Maeve watched most of the G1 Supercard with me. Yeah. Okay, and Maeve, is, Maeve knows a bit about wrestling because, you know, she's married to a wrestling fan, you know, but yeah. I would still say that Maeve's a bit of a casual. Right? Her exact words were, who are those women? They're a bit trashy, aren't they? When fucking um, Angelina Love and, you know, Velvet Sky came yeah. down. Um, and it's Ring of Honor relying on old talent again to bring in kind of a casual wrestling fans. You know, it's kind of what Impact did when Hulk Hogan and Bischoff came in. They've leaned in heavy on nostalgia. I don't think it's necessary because no. if they still had the talent, I mean, that is the problem. They've had, uh, they've had talent raided, but Ring of Honor's always relied on building up talent, yeah. you know, so... When the likes of Daniel Bryan and Nigel McGuinness left, then you still had waiting in the wings El Generico, Kevin Owens, Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly. And then when they left, you still had the likes of um, Tommaso Ciampa. You know, they were bringing in New Japan talent at that time. They've just relied too heavily on New Japan to yeah. carry most of the weight. Um, Rush versus Dalton Castle was basically an angle yeah. for Dalton to turn heel. I actually didn't watch that. I skipped it. Well, you missed <laughs> But that's because I, uh, like I said, not really watched Ring of Honor before and the Dalton Castle thing. I would just, I mean, for me, the kind of wrestling I like, this whole entrance and stuff, I like, is, this is, I could tell straight away that it's not going to be a match that I'd enjoy, sort of thing. Yeah. And so I would just, I'll skip ahead for it. But I saw that I actually didn't skip far enough and saw the end anyway. So, um, even though it were only like 30 seconds. The uh, Lifeblood and Flip Gordon versus Bully Ray, Shane Taylor and Silas Young, That it was fun. But I didn't mind that. It was just it was a spot spotty kind of hardcore. It, it was yeah, it was a spotty hardcore. It didn't really make sense in how it came about because obviously Flip came out and answered the open challenge, which then turned into a three on one, which then turned into a three on three hardcore match. So yeah. it was a bit weird how it got there. But I mean, it broke it up. You know, when you, when you've got New Japan, you're going to have a lot of wrestling, proper. Deep, like good wrestling that is focused on the moves and, and storytelling in the ring. Yeah. So it was good to break it up by having a bit of a hardcore match. And then, uh, you know, well, uh, fucking hell. Well, I'm saving the tag till last, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, Matt Tavern beat Jay Lee for the Marty Skrull in a ladder match for the Ring of Honor title. Yeah. Um, so I didn't mind this. I've, yeah. Obviously, Marty Skrull from Progress. So I'm very familiar with, with Marty. I, I love the villain. I love what he does. Um, Jay Lethal, obviously know about Jay Lethal. I've seen yeah. them, seen them. I'd never really heard of Matt Tavern before, and I know when we were talking about it. To to me, you Matt, Matt my, Tavern yeah. looks like a creator wrestler. You know my thoughts on Matt Tavern. So I don't it? like him. They're pushing him as a heel. Um, I get it. I don't like him, but I don't like him because I found him boring. He's a he's a he's a B plus player. Yeah, I at just, best, you know, which is which is. It's harsh to say, but I'm a fucking wrestling fan, and sometimes we gotta be harsh, you know. I went into that. I went into G One knowing that the New Japan side of it would probably be good, but the Ring of Honor side of it, I'd never really seen much of it. So I went in with the open mind of let's see what Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor are doing. It's another wrestling show for me to watch. It's yeah. WrestleMania weekend. It's wrestling. I love it. Let's go in and watch it, and let's see what's on there. Like I said, the women's stuff didn't really do much. This match, Marty and, and Jay Lethal 
like I said, I love Marty and Jay Lethal. Yeah. I, Jay Lethal's done some great stuff. You know, he's a proper decent guy. He's a veteran in the wrestling world now. Yeah, he deserves it. He deserves, he deserves it. it. Like I said, Matt Tavern, there's no sort of preconditioning to it. I'd never heard anything about him before. Never seen anything. Uh, the, they saw the promo before and then the match. And all the way through, the promo, I was just watching it. I was just like, there's nothing about him that interests me. It looks really bland. It looks really generic. Like I said to you, it looks like Creator Wrestler. Yeah. It's just, it looks like someone sat there, created a wrestler, and then sent him out, and he's won the championship. And, I mean, I probably won't watch much Ring of Honor stuff after that, because it didn't really get me involved, but even if it did... I mean, that's, that, that is sad, though, man, like, you know, not to cut you off there, but, you know, this was a marquee event at Madison Square Gardens. Um, the, you know, New Japan had to work with Ring of Honor yeah. because of their working agreement, but also because Ring of Honor basically got the venue, you know? This should have been a night where Ring of Honor go, we are the number two company in terms of American wrestling. This is what we can put on. And they've they've done it before. I remember watching Kevin Steen. Yeah. Kevin Owens to, to everyone else, you know, to the casuals, you know. But I remember watching Kevin Steen's Reign of Terror with Steve Carino and Jimmy Jacobs. They were golden era of Ring of Honor going way back. I remember Austin Aries, Alex Shelley, Samoa Joe, CM Punk before he became conceited, you know. Mm. Um, you know, and they, yeah, Tyler Black as well. Tyler they, Black, what you know. Tyler Black, what were their faction? Were it the, I don't know what it called. Age of the Fall. Age of the Fall, that's Tyler it. Tyler yeah. Black, you know. Yeah. You've got the Briscoes still there, but you can't rely all the time on the Briscoes and Jay Lethal. No. You, you're leaning on, you need to build up that new talent. They've got Jonathan Gresham, but. You know, oh, but Benji, the argument is that other companies have got larger wallets, but wrestlers aren't always interested in the payday. They're into mm. the art, into the craft. But John, John Gresham definitely is. Yeah, and but it's then you fantastic wrestler. And I, I think Flip Gordon's great. Push Flip Gordon. Yeah, I quite like Flip. Definitely Gordon. push Flip Gordon. You know, but then what are the chances that he'll end up in AEW or Marty Skrull ends up in AEW? And I know they're joining their friends, but. Mm. Given the fact of how Ring of Honor have been booking themselves lately and bringing in fucking Enzo and Cass, have you seen the Enzo shoot interview? There's no. clips on YouTube. He's an, not. He is a, <laughs> please watch it. I will do. He is. <laughs> but. He he's a fart sniffer, man. Yeah. He just he can't do anything wrong, you know. And so the tag title match was great. Props to PCO. He's just inhuman. He's the French Frankenstein, you know? Yeah. Watching him take a double powerbomb outside without any table break in his fall. Watching him do a senton onto the ring apron. It was a fantastic tag match, you know? It was a good tag match. It was just soiled by the fact that at the very end of it, they had two angles running at the same time. Who the fuck does that? You yeah. can have one angle after the other, but... The angle that we saw on the pay-per-view was Toru Yano yeah. shrugging and running off with the IWGP titles. Yeah. What everyone was taken away from it was the it the work shoot, it turns out now, yeah. because they've been contracted, of Enzo Amore and Cass, or, you know, ZXL, whatever his name's going on now, 
um, jumping the barrier, getting into a fight with the Briscoes, who miraculously suddenly found their second wind. Yeah. Because they couldn't be fucked finding it in the actual four-way itself. Bully Ray marching down for whatever goddamn reason as well. Yeah. Because... So I didn't see... I When I was watching it, I didn't actually see it was them, first of all. Yeah. I was watching, I was watching it with Lizzie and we were both sat there. Because it had cut back to the, the announce team. And you could see something going on in the background because I'd turn around and said to her, like, what the fuck's going on in the background? Like, It's obviously the filling. You can tell they've been told to fill because they're just chatting shit and they yeah. don't know what to say. Like, you know, obviously the commentators always have scripts. If you tell a commentator to ad lib, they'll be screwed. So you could tell they didn't really know what to say and Colt Cabana were turning around and having a look and then, um, is it Rickabon- Ian Riccoboni? Yeah. Is that his name? Yeah. He were turning around and having a look. And then it was later on that I found out that it were Enzo and Cass. Yeah. So I think straight away it were obvious it were it were a work. Well, yeah, because security would have whipped them away pretty yeah, quickly. Security, but a... security didn't get involved for one. It just stood there. When you actually watch them come through, yeah. there is a little clip where you see them walk through the crowd. They walk past a fucking security guard to get in. Tell you what, man, they should have got that female security guard that stopped Gronk jumping the She'd have stopped him. She'd have had him out. Blickety fucking split, you She'd know? have fucking sold that angle. She Perfect. would not fuck about, mate. But, yeah, I think... I mean, with, with what Tamas said after, and, you know, the fact that it's it's ridiculous, it's typical Ring of Honor booking yeah. to have sort of the two angles running at the same time. I think when we were, talk, when we were, we were chatting about it yesterday... I think what they've done is they've they've sort of done it at the same time of the other angle and had them attack the losers of the match to make it look as realistic as possible. Yeah. I think if you'd have gone angle, angle, you know, waited for, for Yanu to bugger off with the belts and yeah. then had them come out, I think wrestling fans would have been a bit more, this is this is clearly a work. I mean, even though it clearly a work anyway, it'd have been so much more obvious it were a work. But then the more and more that comes out about it, the more and more fucking bizarre it gets. Just this. Well, yeah, because they fucked it up. Because so they, I remember who it was now, but someone tweeted about them attacking and Ring of Honor retweeted it. Yeah. So we're like, well, straight away, that's obviously now a work because you're retweeting it. Yeah. If if someone had genuinely like interrupted your biggest show in years, you wouldn't yeah. be fucking retweeting it, would you? No, I mean, no so, one's retweeting about Bret Hart. Apart from fans, you know, yeah. um, you also then had like everybody invested in jumping on social media and ignoring the first part of the Zack Saber Tanahashi match, yeah. which was ridiculous. Um, you had reports coming out that the booking committee were not happy with this angle; they did not want to go ahead with it. Mm. But then a call was made from upper management, which would probably be, I'm guessing, Joe Coff. Yeah. Uh, to say, no, we're going ahead with it. You could see the look of disbelief on um, Tamatonga and uh, 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 fucking hell, Tangaloa's mm. face. That I kind of they look genuinely of... didn't know about it. No, I don't think they because did. Because I, I, I said, I pointed out to Lizzie as well, because I thought it was funny that they, when they had Yanu on the ramp yeah. with the belts behind his back, yeah. it were the referee, if you watch it closely, the referee actually sort of taps Tanga yeah. and says, uh, Tama. And says, look up there. Because it's because I, I were laughing. I were like, so Tamar and Tanga are supposed to be selling the next angle now of Yanu stealing the belts. Yeah. Yet Tamar's looking down at the floor saying, what the fuck's going on down here? So he's, so he's had to be told to look up to sort of to sell that angle. Because he's just in so much disbelief of what the fuck's going on down here. 
I mean, who fucking knew? Because it almost seemed almost it almost seemed like Brody King and PCO didn't know what was going on. No, the only it honestly looked like the only people that knew were the referee. I mean, Bully Ray must have been involved in the booking. What you other could, reason would he be so, coming down? I think what they've done is they've got Bully Ray to run out. Again, it's it's all aimed at making it look like shoot. Yeah. It because you know you've got someone running out. Uh, they're attacking the losers, which I know Tama said it's 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 ridiculous because they attacked the losers. But like I said, you know if you have got to think of it from the point of view of, of Enzo and Cass or whatever they're called, that if they are interrupting a show to cause havoc, you would just attack the first people that you get to. You won't really run past them to get into the ring no. to attack those guys. No. So. They are so that is kind of the reason that the that they've attacked the losers of the match because they're trying to sell the shoot. But then there's all the but then at the same time, like we said, the security guards not getting involved. It were obviously Briscoe's new, and I think they've in, they've got Bully Ray to run down to to try and sell it as a shoot even more as you know someone's run out of the back to intervene and and take them on. But like but, fucking twice he's come out in that event. Yeah, you know and. There's a time and a place you had Ring of Honor tapings, and it could have been done there. Yeah. Like they, they knew that uh, Gorillas of Destiny were gonna pick up the Ring of Honor titles, and they must have known from New Japan that this is what's gonna take place. You know, so why the fuck a management turning around and going, we need this angle to happen because it just became a colossal fuck up, and mm. it basically Ring of Honor. And all of the reviews for G1 Supercard, apart from the ladder match, and I, I, I like the street fight, but then I'm an Attitude Era mark, mm. you know. Why why the fuck they decided then and there to do something which is going to, A, take away from the match itself that, that happened in there, B, coincide with another angle. I mean, like, Oh yeah, it's it, it's a work shoot, you know. Uh, f- fuck off, man. The outsiders did it, and they did it really well. Yeah. You know, um, back during the Monday Night Wars, and uh, man, the chance that Enzo got, nobody wants to see that guy in Ring of Honor. He got the same heat that Jeff Hardy got when Jeff Hardy left the WWE, yeah. which was like, this is a wrestling fans promotion. It's what AEW is going to become. Like we mentioned, you know, when we had that break, AEW is a wrestling fans wrestling promotion. Yeah. Like Pro Wrestling Guerrilla is a wrestling fans wrestling promotion. Like New Japan, in fairness, is a wrestling fans wrestling promotion out west, you know. Um, and Ring of Honor used to be that, but now Ring of Honor are bringing an ex WWE talent, yeah. an ex an ex TNA talent, and Ex WWE talent that nobody really wants to see. I'll give yeah. Bully Ray credit as a heel, as an arsehole. Yeah, I'd I'd pay millions, you know, in my lifetime to watch that guy get fucked up. Yeah. Um, but I think Bully Ray was though, man. Bully Ray was always kind of an indie guy who just went to WWE anyway because well, he was an ECW. He's like guy. Tommy Dreamer. You know? Yeah. People love Tommy Dreamer because of you know the ECW, the major indie element, you know, but. What a fuck! The greatest thing that happened was what Tamatonga did and his reaction to it. Because yeah. on Twitter, when he like bashed Ring of Honor booking, was absolutely incredible. But nothing compared to the post match press conference. And um, it, if you haven't seen it, 
ladies and gentlemen, you know, boys and girls, children of all ages, that was an obvious joke. Um, YouTuber, because to watch Tangaloa come out and completely diss, uh, you know, what happened. Yeah. And then Tamatonga, I love you, Tamatonga. If you if you ever fucking listen to this, please, please, please retweet it because I am a, I am a huge fucking mark. And I love you even more now that you're a good guy, Tama. You called it like it is. It was fucking bullshit. And if it's worked or if it's a work shoot, I don't care. Because you basically described how we all felt about Ring of Honor's booking on this big event that should have heralded like their kind of we're the number two promotion, you know. And you accurately did it, Tama, by throwing the fucking title belt. You yeeted that. Oh my god. If if you go and watch it, just listen to the fucking thud as that belt hits the wall. He's he's not he don't fling it, he don't like toss it across the room in an acting way. He picks it up and he fucking launches it. There's probably a dent in an MSG wall somewhere with a in the shape of a Ring of Honor tag team championship. But I mean, I'd 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 love to find out a few more details about why they decided to mm. do that, you know? Because you know, regardless whether you're a fan of Enzo or Casso, regardless if you're uh you know not a fan of work shoots, and we we've we've seen this whole thing happen before, and I, I don't think it's fair for people to go it's in bad taste because this was booked before the whole Bret Hart incident. It's just fucking hell. I've I've never seen two angles happen concurrently. No. People might argue a double turn. No, that is one angle, two people turning. That is completely different. Yeah. To juggle a New Japan angle with a Ring of Honor angle, you got you do one or the other. You're a partner promotion with each other. Make up your mind. And I would absolutely love to find out who in management decided, nope, we're doing it. Because, again, there was no need. Yeah. Absolutely no need. Unfortunate. Unfortunate booking. Because it could be so much better. It's it's like what we said with the WWE. It's, you know, we know it, it could be better. And it's not. And that's what's disappointing ultimately. And that's why, as Smarks, or whatever you want to call us sort of fans. I'm feeling that's, like that's a, I'm feeling do. like an entitled smart just with that whole rant. Yeah, people say we complain about stuff. You know, lads, we said it would with mania. It were only really little niggles, but it it comes from frustration more than anything yeah, because it's we know that you can do better, and we just want the better product to be out there. Yeah, absolutely, ultimately. absolutely.